Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week we're live. See, hey, that was pretty good. That's good. We're good at that. We should yeah. do that every week. Here we are. <laughs> we're we're here on our season finale yeah. for season five. Season five of Recently Logged. I've been doing this for five years, which is crazy. Well, really, like four, yeah, like four and, and a half, four and three quarters, something like that. Quarters. You know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing like at this point, I've been doing like. Four four seasons of youtube videos i think yeah yeah um but i've only been doing it for effectively three years so that makes it's sense. that whole yeah it's that weird thing you run into but yes this is the season finale uh if you haven't tuned into any of our other finales our live finales that we've done we are covering every film released in 2023 that we've watched nope, just all of them. up to this point we're like even stuff we haven't seen we're, yeah, we're just talking pulling, about them all we're just talking about so uh, <laughs> strap it <laughs> it's gonna be a long one yeah these are usually an hour or two but hopefully uh you'll find our reviews insightful i'm way and I'm, fun i'm way too self-conscious for live streams man. i'm just gonna be poking at myself the entire stream i was about to say we we can like see ourselves which is a bit unusual for me streaming so yeah but what do we what, are, what is our structure here right oh You've done right planning right. of this um so basically i made a list of all the films me and micah have watched this year and some like tv shows and shorts and stuff uh, and we'll be scrolling through that. It'll be in release order, not in the order we watch them necessarily, but roughly the order we watch them because yeah. we try to catch stuff as it comes out. Uh, but yeah, we'll just be going through, uh, giving short reviews, wh whatever long we think about reviews. it. Yeah, <laughs> extremely long reviews. I've written an essay for all 82 films on this list. Yeah, we're going to be here a while, like I said. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. That's basically the structure. Uh, I, yeah, that should be it. Uh, okay. <laughs> and again, if you're if you're just tuning in with us and you've never watched Recently Logged, I'm Micah. And I'm Robbie. And we're Monsters and, Incorporated. You can finally see and, our faces. And that's, du that's and duo. I was about to say, for our, for our audio... Really gotta look at the camera I to see where you're pointing. For our audio uh, <laughs> listeners, after the, like listening after this is live, there's a Duolingo plushie looming... In the background because i didn't Menifying. feel like i didn't feel like setting up the curtain for this one we yeah, have in the past we usually have the curtain but at the moment it's just robbie's bed see like the studio the studio is is that way yeah it's that direction and robbie's bed is that direction you can we're yeah. sitting right in the middle of the two so you can see a ring light to our right and a bed to our left. We got some mise en scene for the uh, for the live stream viewers. So. Yeah, this is this is a great <laughs> set. This is exactly why you should be tuning in live. Exactly, but I guess let's get into the first film that we watched or that released this year. Release order: the first film would be Missing. Missing, directed <laughs> by uh, Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So this was uh, another film from the creative team behind um, Searching. Searching. Kind of funny how they're similar names. <laughs> so it follows a similar kind of thing where it's that found footage investigation of a crime kind of movie. Yeah. And I think we did an episode on this, if I'm not mistaken. We did not. We, I swear we did. No, we did an episode on Searching when it came out. No, no, but I swear we no. talked about this to some extent. Well, we, yeah, we talked about it to some degree, but we did not do an episode on it. <laughs> but Missing is really interesting, I would say. Um, yeah. 
it kind of it's it kind of feels like they've really upped their craft. Notably, Anish Chaganti is not on the directorial job of this. Yes, um, which is kind of sad to me because I really wanted to see him as like you know direct more projects, but he's still on the creative team for it. I was about to say Sevo Hanan and Anish Chaganti, the two like lead people of Searching, are still like screenwriters and yeah. producers on this one. But it really feels like the craft of this has been like honed in like the style yeah. that they're doing because it's very much again it's that found footage and that's such a hard thing we talked about it in length on our searching episode yes. how hard that is to pull off in like a really interesting and engaging way and this this does it i would say even better than searching yeah th- well searching is kind of like laying down a lot of the visual groundwork and missing it kind of gets to expound upon that like it hasn't been missing yeah, that's really where Missing falls flat, because for all of its cinematic finesse, uh, it, it like the story of it just isn't as interesting. Yeah, I really, like, I remember beat for beat searching, yeah. but I, I couldn't really tell you what happens in Missing. Like, I know yeah. she goes missing. Well, yeah, it's like the I daughter remember. is looking for both her parents or just, just her just mom? the mom I think just her mom died or yeah something. yeah i think you're right the, fa- the fact that i can't remember is not know. a good sign yeah and then there's like the guy <laughs> who she thinks she went on a trip with but then yes. that didn't happen and she's got to keep calling the one guy who's like yes i will help you solve the crime he's pretty cool i like him <laughs> yeah <man>. but <laughs> it's it's a very weird movie yeah and it's just it, there's not that much memorable about the mystery itself or the characters like i know the characters from searching but I'm not I'm not sure I really know the characters from Missing at this point. Yeah. It's only been like a year since we've seen this. Yeah, no, the, really the most notable thing is just how fun it is, yeah. I think. Like, just in the no, moment, the, it's a lot of fun to experience. Yeah, the direction and everything is great. Again, yeah. this is probably, like, it's probably better in that aspect than Searching. But I, don't, I just don't think the story is quite as good yeah no that that pretty much sums up my thoughts on it too (laughs) i gave it a four out of five i also gave it a four out of five now are we like ranking these or no no a big a big ranking are we going to share our rankings at the end of uh yeah we can we can share our top tens or something nice oh this next one is interesting because (laughs) it came out a lot earlier than we watched it because it had a weird like film festival I think, yeah i think i had a festival release um but the next one is past lives yes. directed by uh celine song i believe is how you say yeah that. yeah um crazy movie <laughs> we didn't see this till probably over halfway through 2023 yeah it would have been about halfway through we got to go see it in theaters which was awesome that was pretty cool and this is such a this is such a cool little movie it really is i don't even know what to like you, you start us off <laughs> what should us. i say about past lives um I, I think it's really good to start off with. Um, I don't know. It approaches its like central drama with a lot of finesse, oh, yeah. especially for it being a debut. Um, and like the central trio of actors are really good. Uh, the way it goes about framing its story is really nice. I don't know. I, I didn't connect with it as much as I wanted to um, during a lot of like the second act. Uh, but it is really smartly written. It's got some really great direction, some great performances. Uh, it's definitely one of the better films of this year. I gave it a four out of five. I, I don't know. Yeah, what is there to say about Past yeah, Lives? I don't know. Here, I'll tell. It's like, good. It's one of my favorite films from the year. I think it's one of the best films from the year. I think yeah. it does something really unique that not many romance films do. Mm, yeah. That not many romance films even like dare to do, <laughs> which is show this like really, really unique human aspect of like 
just living life, especially when you are like specifically an immigrant. I don't have that specific knowledge, obviously, but you know, you yeah. that specific feeling even beyond an immigrant story of just like having like an ex or something yeah and that kind of weird again that past life and that baggage that you hold with it and that's of course like shown to be exasperated by the fact that she's from south korea and yeah. not only is it a different like relationship but she literally was living in a different country and speaking a different language um so it makes just this like the way they dive into that on a thematic and story level yeah is just crazy <laughs> i love what they're doing with that and like you mentioned the technical aspects of this are incredible it really honestly reminded me a lot in terms of just like i don't know raw cinematic directorial <laughs> debut power of after sun mm -hmm. because yeah. it's not like it's not like the most polished thing in the world no but it taps into a really unique headspace and nails what i think specifically it's going for super well yeah, no, I would tend to agree. Um, in plot, it reminded me a lot of uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, even though this is a bit more of a uh, refined movie, I think, like along that same line. That's what Cha-Cha Real Smooth is about, kind of. It's like right person, wrong time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good. I, I didn't have too much to say about it, but... The, the performances especially were a big standout, but I mean, yeah. like, I... I can picture almost all of these scenes in my mind. <laughs> right. Still. Yeah. Like, and and all of the drama is just so interesting. And I just, I don't know. I would, I would love to spend hours longer with these characters. Yeah. I, I really want to watch it again more than like, <laughs> I have more, more than I have something to say about it. I want to experience it again. Um, just, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Celine Song does next. Yeah. I gave it a, I gave it a five out of five for sure. I gave it a four out of five. I was about to say I've given everything a four out of five, but it's only two. We're only two films we're only deep. <laughs> down. So all right. Uh, next up is one that I uh, only I have seen. Only you have seen. Uh, I'm the only person on earth who's seen it. Trying to spread the word about us being live while you talk about this. <laughs> I do want to see this though. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, it's called A Thousand and One. It's directed by A. V. Rockwell. This is another debut film from this year. Uh, and it's really good. It's really good. Uh, I saw it at a Atlanta Film Society screening uh, back, I don't know, maybe a quarter of the way through the year. It's got Tiana Taylor in it. And it, it's kind of like a, I don't know, I think it's like a 30-year spanning story with like three separate sections. It's really cool um, the way it's structured and like the character dynamics evolve in a really interesting way. Just the screenwriting's really good. It looks great. The performances are good. The direction is good. I I don't know. It's it's a very intimate movie. And but apparently not not that good given your rating, Ravi. I don't know. I I kind of went back and forth because when I first watched it, I gave it a four. Um, but I I've bumped it down to a three since then, which is strange. I I don't I don't know. I feel kind of torn about it because the middle portion of it is like the least interesting era because like it's about this adopted son growing up like over different periods of his life living in New York city. So like moonlight. <laughs> yeah. They, I, I assume I haven't seen moonlight, but I assume it's like moonlight. Um, and I, I really love the last segment. Like I wish it was longer, quite frankly. <laughs> so like moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like when you get to like adult him, like that's some of the most interesting scenes and like compelling scenes in the whole movie are in that part. But like a lot of the middle portion feels kind of repetitive I don't know. 
it's it's sweet. I would definitely need to watch it again at some point, and I really want to see what A.V. Rockwell does next because it's like such a it's it really does make a very naturalistic and intimate atmosphere that somehow works. I, I don't know. Like I said, I want to see it. Yeah, you need to watch it. Uh, it's it's pretty good. I would say it's I, pretty good. I don't know what I don't know what I would rate Solid it. I guess three. It's either a three or a four. I don't know. It's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thousand and one. I approve. Oh, and then we're hitting up another one that's not Yay. me. I haven't seen this one either. I was slacking. <laughs> I was watching other things that he didn't watch. I was about to say, there's a, quite a few on here that I haven't seen. But up next is Rye Lane. Yeah. Directed by, how do you say their name? Rain? Yeah, Rain Allen Rain Miller. Rain Allen Miller. Uh, very good movie. Rye Lane. Rain. <laughs> Mike has seen it. He's connecting the dots already. <laughs> uh yeah rye lane it's a romantic comedy of sorts it's like a walk and talk romance film which i haven't really seen another another romance film like this micah has seen quite a few yeah there's a lot of movies i've seen like that obviously most notably like the before trilogy is all walk and talk romance from what i understand the before trilogy is a pretty big influence on this but it's british it's british Uh (laughs) uh-huh Um, it's really well shot. I, I love the visual flair this thing has. It's it's like poppy and colorful and very like free flowing. Um, but at the same time, like it uses wide angle lenses in a really fun way. I don't know. It plays around with perspective a lot and it's really cool. And like the central performances are good. The general like thesis of it, like, I don't know. It's, it's about like 20 somethings not finding their right match in the dating scene. I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty generic as romance movies go, but it is really fun, and like the the whimsy of it and the tone of it is really fun, um, and like the screenwriting, I think is really great too. If I'm not mistaken, this is a debut. Yeah, this is also a debut. <laughs> My nice. goodness, yeah, there was a lot of we, we saw a lot of <laughs> yeah. like directorial debuts. Saw a lot this of year. debuts this year. Yeah. So Rylane, thumbs up. I gave it a five back when I watched it, but I've dropped it to a four since then. I think that's a bit more fair to it but i i really want to see it again i'm hoping i can watch it with micah sometime soon it's very good very fun <laughs> i like it up next what do we have Rebby? uh we've knock at the cabin one of our i think first episodes of this season well it's around the beginning yeah because this was one of the first like new releases in actual like theaters that we saw because yeah. a lot of those were like streaming service movies or movies that didn't have a theater release around us till later yeah um but this was one of the ones that we watched towards the beginning of yeah the year. this was one of the first movies we watched in 2023 if i'm not mistaken and we yeah. did a whole episode about it and you know i don't think i don't think my opinion has like soured on cabin in the woods at all no. it's one of my favorite Shyamalan movies still it's if not for old it's probably my favorite <laughs> it's probably it's probably one of his like least problematic films yeah it still makes such a really exciting and interesting use of like angle and focus oh my goodness. and perspective <laughs> there's so many so well. really fantastic oh shots and everything <laughs> And it's really just got like an interesting story to dive into. It's, yeah, it's not my favorite thing in the world. I, I don't think I'll, it'll ever be one that I'm like, oh, I gotta go back and watch <laughs> Knock, at, Knock at the Cabin. But I if we're talking about like <laughs> movies like this, this would probably yeah. be my go-to for like just like in recent times. Anyway. Yeah, I I don't know. I really admire it's like kind of thesis about like 
kind of religious extremism and stuff. Like, I, I think it's a really interesting movie and very timely movie. Um, yeah. It's it's a good post-pandemic, like, thriller, if there ever was one. The two leads are fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love their, I love their relationship. I love their romance. <laughs> still, weird that, still weird that we get, like, do we even get an on-screen? We get, like, yeah. one on-screen Yeah, kiss. dude, literally the whole, the whole finale of the movie is they share the kiss in the cabin as the world is ending. And yeah, it's, but their, I, it's the power of their life. I I still <laughs> maintain, I mentioned this in the podcast, <laughs> that it's weird that that's the only time they kiss in the whole movie. It is weird, but, like, also, when are, when else are they going to do it? Like, <laughs> There's plenty of times so that they would just casually kiss. They're married. Well, see, the thing is, like, they come in, like, literally they come in to the cabin and almost immediately <laughs> they're in a life-threatening situation. I'm just saying. It's a little weird. No, it is weird. It is either weird. way, like the performances <laughs> are really fun all around. All of the yeah. all of the four visitors are all unique and they all give it's really great, good man. performances. Um Rupert Grint. Yeah. Um he's really memorable in this. I haven't seen him yeah, in something forever. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know, man. It's just really good. Yeah, it's great. I it's still one of my favorites of the year. I believe it's still on my top ten for the year. I give it a four and a half out of five. Very good. I give it a four out of five. It's great. I like it. <laughs> up, up next, <laughs> up next, dude. up next, we have the Strays. <laughs> this is what I think is the worst movie of the year. Yeah, you have this at the bottom. Yeah, this is this this is my least favorite movie I saw this year. This is a Netflix original. Um, it, it's very much and. You know, almost all of the comments and everything. Oh, hi, Haley. Hello. Hello. Hi, Haley. <laughs> we, have a, we have a live viewer tuning in. Sorry, my chat's down there. So if you commented that like a while ago, I didn't see it until No, now. it was only like a minute. Uh, but The Strays <laughs> is very much like a post-Jordan Peele popularity movie. Mm. Like they were like, oh, yeah, we can we can do something. They saw a Jordan Peele movie like, and they were like, like, uh-huh. like a thriller with like something to say about like racial inequality and stuff. Yeah. But they just had the absolute craziest idea <laughs> in the world to follow that. That just keeps devolving into just weirdness like especially in retrospect thinking about this movie it's so confusing and i think it kind of banks off of its confusingness oh hi leo as well hi leo um hello because you know you're thinking oh this is gonna go somewhere big this is gonna go somewhere big this is gonna go somewhere big and then it hits and it's the dumbest thing in the world the performances aren't good the direction's fine actually that's one thing that makes me really sad is i feel like the craft was here for this movie so it wasn't it wasn't just like a low budget low effort kind of i mean it was definitely low budget but i I think they did a good job with their low budget interesting it's just like the screenplay is absolutely abysmal it is really (laughs) hilariously bad and to the point that it's unenjoyable oh no a twist oh no it's got a terrible twist like just it's (laughs) so bad i i don't have too much more to say about it but it absolutely fails at trying to give any kind of like good message about like racial (laughs) inequality or anything like it just it falls on it falls flat on its face with almost everything and that makes me really sad but also it's really bad. <laughs> it's still the worst film you've seen. Still the year. worst movie I've seen that released this year. I think they're mocking your abysmal in the chat. I, you know, I can say abysmal. <laughs> I like the word abysmal. Ooh, another one that only I've watched. Oh. Actually, a couple that only I've seen. Okay. Dude, you need to watch this one, actually. Um, I Actually, I'll come to think of it, I don't know if you'd like it or not. 
<laughs> I really enjoyed it. Well, tell tell the audience, Rebby. Okay. Oh, look, it's Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, I was Sydney. about to say. It's, <laughs> it's a film called Reality. I believe it's, uh, yeah, it's like an HBO Max original. Um, so I didn't see it in a theater, obviously. And it was my first movie seeing Sydney Sweeney. In it, in it at all i Which, think lo and behold she is a really good <laughs> she's actress. amazing yeah she's, she's amazing fantastic. um this is actually based on a stage play by a different name but the like person who wrote the stage play directed it uh her name is tina satter um and it still is very stage play -y. <laughs> um which is good like i think it works really well it somehow manages to pull off an atmosphere and has like good geography and everything and like blocking that it doesn't feel like it's being held back by like being a film rather than a stage play yeah which is really impressive i was to about me. to say it's really easy for <laughs> films that are stage play adaptations like yeah. really close stage play adaptations yeah. to feel kind of unnecessary like a master builder is kind of that way yeah oh man yeah that's that yeah that's a like a really bad example of adapting a stage play to the screen but this is interesting it like kind of slavishly recreates like a real-time event that happens like it's a an interview with two fbi agents and a lady named reality winner which is crazy i can't believe that's her name <laughs> uh, Haley asks what what's duo doing here uh he is stalking all duolingo users to make sure it's they true. keep up with their streaks it's very true <laughs> so he's coming for you leo but yeah, it's like it's a full 83 minutes. It plays out mostly in real time. Um, and it it's actually all based off of transcripts mostly, which cool. it's crazy that it works. It That's doesn't that, sound I was like to say that work. sounds like something that would be very easily boring. Yeah. Um, but like I don't know, it manages to play all of the transcript stuff really well because the cast is great and like the blocking of everything is great, the direction's great. I don't know. It's it's really good. I did not expect to love it as much as I did. I didn't know it was based off of real events or a stage play when I started watching yeah. it. And I was like, this is really strange. Why are they telling us like the dates and times and exact phrasing of everything? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really cool. I really like it. I would gladly watch it again. Sydney Sweeney is a very good actress. She That's is, what I say. Uh, also, Leo Duo told me. Duo told me. He reveals all his secrets to me. He whispers sweet nothings in our ears. As we go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. Uh, the next film I watched is Inside. Is called Inside. I wanted to watch this one. Yeah, this was another Atlanta Film Society screening that I went to and another debut. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Willem Dafoe from director. How do you say his name, Rumi? You watched uh, it. Vasilis Katsopis, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, reality was also a debut, though. I didn't mention that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lots of debuts. I told you we saw a ton of directorial debuts this year, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah, no, uh, Inside. Yeah, it's got Willem Dafoe, mostly a one-man show. It's good. He's, he's trapped. He's trapped. Inside. Yeah, it's, he's, he's an art thief. He breaks into, like, a penthouse to steal a painting or, like, multiple paintings. I don't remember. Uh, and then he gets trapped because the, the security system, like, locks him in and then it goes haywire and doesn't work anymore. Um, so yeah, he stays in there for like, a, I don't know, half a year or something like that, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, I, it might not have been that long. Maybe it was just like a month. It feels like half a year. <laughs> uh, it's very strangely paced. I don't know. Um, 
what to say about it. I was about to say anything, Rupi. I mean, if you, if you don't have too much to add, we don't yeah. have to go long um, with any of these. We've got a ton to get through. Defoe, Defoe good. He gives a good physical performance. The environmental cinematography is really good. The screenplay is all right. Um, I wish it was a bit more thematically cohesive because it feels like it's trying to say something about self-actualization via art, but doesn't really <laughs> come, come to any conclusion about it. Uh, but it was cool. It was fun. I really want to like see it again to see if I pull something from it that I didn't before. But uh, I think at the very least, it's an enjoyable time, like a, a passive, yeah. enjoyable movie. I wanted to see it as well. They're making yeah. FNAF references in the chat. We're going in order of release throughout <laughs> the year. So we're not going to get to FNAF for a bit because we're starting at the beginning <laughs> of the year and releases yeah. down. So what's what's next? Trip? But yeah, inside, I gave it a three out of five. Up next, though, we have John Wick Chapter 4. Yeah, John Wick, Which baby. we also got to go see in theaters. Very fun. With a the blurriest projector the I've blurry, ever seen yeah. in my life. If you ever go to, to AMC, <laughs> the AMC that we go to, which a we're not going to say. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but just because. Uh, watch out for Theater 9. Dude, Auditorium 9. Auditorium 9. It had um, the, the blurriest projector. It was like this for Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. You could not see the face. <laughs> like, if it was a wide shot, people were far away. You couldn't see their faces. I honestly couldn't tell if John Wick was on screen sometimes. <laughs> I like you. It was so hard to read the subtitles for and some we, of the Russian. And we, <laughs> we asked about it, too. And, like, about before the movie started, you could see somebody's hand, like, go, like, <laughs> over the over the lens so i guess they thought maybe there was just something on the lens but it really didn't fix anything yeah um but, but john wick chapter four the movie itself it's good it's good yeah <laughs> it's, it's i still think probably my least favorite john wick movie though which is um, a, it's a big hot take i know a lot of people are like this is like the best i'd put two underneath this i think but I it know. is I it like, is near the bottom i like two a lot <laughs> you do like um, two a lot but I don't know. It's just too long. How long is this? I don't know, dude. 170 minutes. 170 minutes. minutes. That is, yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a little, <laughs> that's a little too long for this movie. There's, it's doing so much and the action scenes are incredible. The set pieces are great. The set yeah. pieces are insane. Everybody always talks about the incinerary shotgun scene because that's like the coolest I mean, action scene like ever. Probably, yeah, probably ever. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> I've seen a lot of cool John Wick action scenes. Not many things other than that beat three for me in terms of action scenes. Yeah, three's and pretty three stellar. is so dialed in. Yeah. Three is three. You feel like you're the pacing is like a bullet. This feels like it's doing so much. It feels like honestly, it's trying to set up its spinoffs. Yeah, um, I know it. This is like the lead up to like ballerina and, and continental. Yeah, and continental, which so I haven't watched. There's two spinoffs from this, and this yeah. really feels like it's trying hard to lay the groundwork of even more characters because they introduce like six characters in this, and it's just, there's just too much movie for <laughs> me. In this. It's a lot. I love long movies, and this is not the move. <laughs> it's still really good for what's there, though. Yeah. No. Um. I think. Uh, generally, my biggest complaint is that John doesn't really have that much to do, like, character-wise yeah, in this exactly. one. It kind of just feels, like, tacked on. Like, it's a fun send-off, but still. Well, that's why I said it very much feels like a spin like a spin-off setup. Yeah. Because, like, John Wick, he's had his big character arc, and in this movie, he's just tired. I'm like, dude, 
just let the guy rest. He doesn't need all of this. Because <laughs> that you got that feeling of like the entire world is against him in three. Yeah. And then he beat him and like he beat the world in like a cool epic way. Right. Um, so I don't know. John Wick Chapter Four, cool movie, cool ending. Not my favorite. I think I gave it a three and a half out of five. I believe I gave it a four. Oh yeah, four. Four out of five. Nice. Uh <laughs> Someone someone used the nerd emoji in reference to me in the chat, and they're like, this is the only emoji with glasses. <laughs> I'm like, that's fair. Up next, what do we have, Ruby? Uh We have a little little ditty called Scream 6. Ooh, topical. Scream in an, in an unfortunate way. Yeah. Um, it sucks to talk about this now. It really makes me sad. <sighs> So yeah. for those of you who have not heard the lovely news, Scream 7 is pretty much done for. It's dead in the water, dude. Uh, There's no way it's coming out. Several several cast members <laughs> spoke out about what's happening in Gaza and then yeah. got fired. And then the entire movie just fell apart from there. Yeah. I mean, they had lost uh, Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega, the two leads. <laughs> so that's that's rough enough but then the director was like i don't really want to do this so the movie just kind of fell to pieces yeah which is a shame and that really really sucks that that happened especially for the reasons that it happened i was about to say not the not the biggest fan of i believe it's spyglass uh who produces these now yeah i think spyglass is correct so yeah not Mm. not not great. No, not a fan. Not happy yes, about that. Mm-hmm. So that's really unfortunate. But Scream 6 itself, we were super excited about when we went and watched this. We went and watched yeah. this in theaters. We went with my girlfriend Haley, who is currently in the chat making what? jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we got dressed up because we're big Scream, scream fans. I mean, we, we covered all the Scream movies. Yeah, we covered <laughs> every here. single Scream movie on our podcast. Yeah, And... You know, my opinions haven't really changed from when we did an episode on this movie. Yeah. I think it's much better than five. I think it's really fun. It takes the series in a new direction. And I was excited to see where it was going to go. <laughs> and then it just... Uh, yeah. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think the biggest upside to Scream 6 is the, how well it showcases the ensemble and how many like fun set pieces it has. And it sucks that we're not going to get the ensemble <laughs> back for another movie. Right? Yeah, I, don't, I do not see Scream 7 in any form that it was going to be coming out. Yeah, so. well, we'll see, I guess. Uh, go listen to our episode about Scream 6, even though we recorded it before all that happened. Yeah, I gave Scream 6 a 4 to 5. As did I. 4 to 5. Good movie. Good movie. <laughs> <laughs> then we watched, or rather, then released Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. We went to see this on my birthday. Yeah, we went and see I can speak. We went to go see this on Robbie's birthday. For his birthday, one might even say, even though Robbie was like the least interested in D&D out of my entire family. Okay, but I'm down for the two Johns directing a comedy John, John and Jonathan yeah. back again, the team behind Game Night. Which is like one of my favorite modern comedies, maybe my favorite modern comedy. Yeah, and honestly, this movie surprised me. I really thought it was just going to be like garbage. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of like hardcore D&D fans were pretty excited for it but a lot of like film bros and like people who are really into movies were kind of skeptical that it would be any good at all because well, I, like action fantasy I comedy fall, I fall right in between <laughs> yeah. both of those I'm a really big D&D fan yeah. and I also really like movies and movie criticism yeah. and like 
Just from the trailers and everything, I was not stoked about how this looked. There are still elements yeah. I don't like about, especially its visuals and everything. Eh. And even some of its cast members are like weird choices. Not bad choices, just weird ones. Yeah. But this movie is funny. It's funny? It's so funny. It's well written. There's cool camera work. The it's camera well works written. good. It's exciting. <laughs> There's fun action scenes. It uses the setting of a D&D world surprisingly well. Right? It, it feels like, again, a lot of people have made this comparison. This isn't like an original thought, but it feels like it was written like you're playing D&D. Like the characters' choices and how they act feel like somebody specifically is playing behind them. Yeah. Which is really cool. I don't know really how you fun. do it. <laughs> and they like, did it. <laughs> there's moments where like bad luck things will happen. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I don't know how they pulled it off. It's really fun. I would take like six more of these. Right, dude. Um, Just, yeah, if it's the same quality, we, you didn't even mention the um, like practical effects. Oh and yeah, stuff, the practical which are really effects fun. are great. Yeah, they reference Baldur's Gate at one point. <laughs> Shout out to Baldur's Gate three. Uh, uh, my biggest, I think, my biggest criticism was that it was a bit generic and kind of frictionless. Yeah, there. But... It does that thing, which honestly is also a D&D &D thing, quite frankly, <laughs> if you're not very good at DMing, uh, where the story feels like it's just, it's just all like go, like it feels very passive. It's just like, it feels like a very passive story where line, they're never yeah. in too much danger and the mystery always kind of has to solve itself, which again, these yeah. are the, I think it's unique that it feels that way because like, was that an intentional <laughs> choice that's a weird intentional choice yeah. that it was because that is how a lot of D&D games go because when you have a dm and a player and player base like you're all improving towards something that the yeah. dm is supposed to direct you towards and somehow the story feels like that but that doesn't really work very well in a, like a movie narrative way yeah no uh yeah i think that really is its biggest offense a bit generic also the romance subplot's lame eh, I'm yeah i'm here for it but I mean, at the end of the day, but it's Bradley Cooper, tiny Bradley Cooper, tiny Bradley Cooper. Um, That's great. Haley said, uh, D and D film bro should be a crime. <laughs> Wait, Rebby, you took it away. I don't know what I rated it. <laughs> I gotta pull up the movie again. Oh, I rated it a three and a half out of five. <laughs> I rated it a four out of five. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Actually, surprisingly <laughs> enough. Then next in release order is bottoms whoa this is the second film from emma selgman selgman yeah so selgman uh who directed shiva baby good film very good film. <laughs> simultaneous thumbs up i watched shiva i watched baby. that for the first time <laughs> later in the year after yeah. i watched this i still haven't um, seen it i need to so badly we got to go see this in theaters <laughs> which was very very fun i loved seeing this in theaters because movies like this i think need to be seen in theaters to work super well or just with a group of friends yeah don't watch like a comedy like this alone <laughs> that will it won't be as funny but being in a theater funny. that gets super into all of its jokes and bits works super well for this kind of i don't know like almost how did I describe it? Like it's, I was going to say like a Mean Girls style <laughs> absurd high school comedy, but it's even more absurd than Mean Girls is. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's that same like style of screenwriting in a lot of ways, but it's pushed to a lot more like extremes. It, it just matches modern culture a bit better. Yeah. It's very much, very much a Gen Z movie. Because <laughs> Mean Girls came out in like 2004. This is like 20 years later. Yeah. And it very much feels like it. But just like, 
In terms of stylistic high school comedies, that's the closest thing I could probably compare it to. Yeah. Um, I It's funny, we watched it pretty close to after Barbie, <laughs> and I put it in my review, and I still stand by this, that, like, <laughs> this has a far funnier ensemble than Barbie. I think... I'll stand by that. I think, yeah. I was about to say, Ryan, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie are obviously amazing, yeah, but I don't think the side like, cast really is as good dude, as the, the entire Cruz? cast in this. Ruby Cruz, Ruby Cruz? <laughs> is amazing in this. She's hilarious. Savannah Rose Louis? I don't know how to say her name. Liu. Liu? Yeah. Um fantastic like just literally the main four or five girls from this movie i want to see them in like a bunch more comedies <laughs> no notes they work super well together dude miles um, fowler though obviously um <laughs> rachel rachel senate and ao i don't know how to say ioe debris ioe debris i don't yeah. know how to say people's names man <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing yeah uh they've been in a lot together they've worked together a bunch in the past they're amazing so they have great chemistry Flawless, together dude um <laughs> <laughs> and it's like they're just fun leads yeah dude there are some weird things that come out of this movie especially sitting on it a little bit longer its production is especially weird like having seen shiva baby shiva baby's like really well done for a low budget movie like yeah. it's really really well edited and shot and directed and those are the qualities that give it its extreme anxiety inducing factors that it has going for it mm -hmm. and this movie somehow feels like just the ball was completely dropped in that aspect there are shots in this movie that are downright ugly it's funny um, because um i think bailey said it i don't i'm trying to remember his channel name uh lover boy media yeah lover boy media um he he wrote his in his review of bottoms that it feels like there are portions of it that are just like missing portions of the story that are missing yeah that's a, i think that's a good way to describe this well, beyond just like the story too like it, it just feels like yeah it kind of feels unfinished all around yeah. like it just there are shots and edit choices that don't make sense yeah and that are ugly and then there are story I don't know. beats. I, that... I never thought it was like outright visually ugly but no there are a couple shots that are pretty rough <laughs> And there are story beats that feel like they kind of get lost and character arcs that feel like they kind of just get resolved fast, which is a shame. It it didn't take away too much from my viewing experience the one time I watched this, that yeah. kind of stuff that you more sit with, especially when watching it in like an audience that's so into it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not really a big deal to me. It's just like, especially after watching uh, Shiva Baby, I was like... <laughs> she could have done a lot better than this in terms of direction yeah i think it's one of its strongest aspects is like how frenzied the whole thing feels yeah um which is sometimes to its detriment but it is also really funny and like we there's mentioned so really many, well acted there's so many good jokes <laughs> yeah so many background things there's there's clear attention to detail and love yeah. in every like frame of this movie yeah it just like it weirdly falls flat in other aspects. Yeah, I wish it was a bit crazier um, at the end of the day, but it is still really good. And we got Charlie XCX doing the soundtrack. Charlie so. XCX on the soundtrack. I, I, it's one of my favorites of the year. I give it it's a great. four and a half out of five. I gave it a four out of five. Great movie. Mm -hmm. There you go. I love it. <laughs> then what did we get to, Remy? Then we watched Evil Dead Rise in the theater. In the theater. In the theater. This was cool. <laughs> this was our big. This was our big Evil Dead year. Yeah, um, we, we were, benched all the we Evil went Dead through movies all of this Evil year. Dead. We had seen Evil Dead 2013. <laughs> yes. Um, and we were excited for Evil Dead Rise, so we got to go see that in theaters. And this is cool. <laughs> this is a cool movie. Um, we. I actually watched this with Haley on her birthday. Um, well. 
which was scary. Cool. <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> what was funny about this, this would have killed you, Remy. This would have actually killed you mm. because we watched it and her TV was not working properly. So in order Don't to do this like promotion, no, no, or something. hold on. <laughs> in order to do this with, because we owned it digitally. I yeah. bought it digitally to do this. Um, Don't tell me you screencast it. I screencast it from oh, my phone onto her motion smoothed TV. That's a that has to be a crime somewhere yeah. <laughs> against against movies itself. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it was bad looking. It looked very bad. Oh gosh! But we still had fun. <laughs> Honestly, I think this movie is more fun on our rewatch than it was in theaters. Though in theaters, yeah. it was a great experience. I really, I really need to revisit it. Um, it's not quite as gnarly as Evil Dead Thirteen. Um, it's a bit dry sometimes. Uh, there's not like quite enough to fill out all of its runtime. Uh, but like generally as horror movies go, it does a good job pacing out its beats. I like the performances a lot. Um, I don't know. It, it's a solid movie. It's pretty scary, pretty gross when it needs to yeah. be. I like it. So what's interesting about this is like it, it's a very odd movie like in context of Evil Dead because it yeah. really hits a lot of the Evil Dead things of being like really gnarly being like hitting a lot of the tropes that they go for but it also has this kind of like it's kind of taking it all in a very different direction than even evil dead 2013 yeah and it just feels like a different era was started and i know i think bruce campbell has talked about wanting to do kind of these on a more consistent basis now but even this film itself Try feels like kind of a hodgepodge of like different evil dead film ideas yeah and it just, I don't know. It gives it a very weird vibe. It's not like any other Evil Dead movie in the entire series. No. Not even anything like <laughs> Evil Dead 2013, which is odd. Yeah, 2013 is way more like oppressive than this one is. Yeah, like, this is this is more lighthearted, but not nearly as lighthearted as Bruce Campbell Evil Dead stuff. Yeah, like, like Army of Darkness one. or something. Yeah. So it's this weird like little. <laughs> it's film. weird. Yeah. I know so many like mass audience kind of people. Do not like yeah, the ending of normies. You no, no, I'm kidding. no. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. Like, but I just thought it was notable. Like, Marianne doesn't yeah. like the ending of this movie. Haley and Leo don't like the ending of this movie. Which is so strange. A lot of people I know to me, to were me. talking about how like they hit the ending of this movie and it completely took them out of the film experience maybe it's just because like i had seen and was such a big fan of evil dead 2013 because yeah, this is such an e like the the ending monster that comes out is such an evil dead thing to do mm -hmm. like yeah to have kind of a third act gloopy goblin kind of monster I'm, yeah i'm so familiar with the broad strokes of evil dead i just expected something really gross and like weird to come at the end <laughs> but it's interesting because i'm wondering if without kind of that evil dead context if that does like seem to come out of nowhere in like yeah. a stylistic standpoint because this movie is doing something so different it is from... it is very stripped back even compared to like the first evil dead it's just kind of it's very dry yeah and it's in, like a, it's in a different it's in a different location yeah. it's going about its horror in a lot of different ways like it's not as like i don't know like the deadites and even like even 2013 evil dead they are all very different feeling from yeah. this movie oh for sure i always forget that these like are deadites in yeah this movie. exactly it's just <laughs> it's an odd one it's weird uh, i gave it a four out of five though i also gave it a four out of five pretty cool a good movie a great movie uh, up next, we have oh, another gosh. one that I did not watch. We have a Boston Strangler. You spared yourself, my 
<laughs> I watched I watched Boston Strangler so I could see Kira Knightley. I was going to say I'm a big Kira Knightley fan. <laughs> I love her so and much. This just looked boring. She's so good. She's looked, such a good actress. It looked boring. Uh, and it was it was so boring. It's it's like we have Zodiac at home kind of thing, which is the saddest thing you can do as like a streaming service crime thriller is just make a bad Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. Kira Knightley has a Boston accent. That's kind of fun. <laughs> what else? What else is there to say about Boston's trailer? <laughs> it's not very good. It's sloppily written. It's poorly paced. It looks bad. Um, it's just not very fun. That's really its biggest crime, I think. Our big, our biggest crime. Uh, uh, <laughs> not strangling someone, Ruby. That's you're saying not being fun is a bigger crime. It really is just like a bad version of Zodiac in almost every way, and which it is sucks. very interesting because Zodiac Ooh. came out like so long ago. So right. if they were trying to like go for Zodiac. It's <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's like Zodiac but bad. Unfortunately, don't don't watch it. Not a recommendation for me unless you just love Kira Knightley so much that you would watch a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, which throwing this out there, uh, Evil Dead Rise was an another first time director is is boston strangler uh i thought lee cronin had done hole in the ground before oh wait never mind yeah oh that's feature length yeah (laughs) okay it was his second film yeah along with bottoms which was uh her second (laughs) film Um, a lot of new boston strangler i believe it's like either second or third film from uh, matt either either way a lot of really young directors (laughs) still so far uh, uh, yeah. Up next. Weird movie. I gave it a two out of five. Um, up, up next, next. we have... I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> why are you so excited? Just because it's me again. That's really the only reason I'm like, oh, I get to talk about something. That's funny. <laughs> There's so many of these so early on that are you and not me. I'm yeah. like, where? where's the love? Where's the love? <laughs> <laughs> but up next is Air. Air. Ben Affleck's Air, which I think this is his directorial debut, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh, oh goodness. <laughs> uh, no, he had done Argo, right? Oh, right. Argo, yeah, never mind. The town, Here gone, maybe gone. Jonathan says, Duolingo Owl is everywhere I look. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Duo. Duo. So true. putting that... Put, put some respect yeah, on Duo's name. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to come for you if you don't pronounce his name correctly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, Air. We got to go see this in theaters on, like, a whim. If I'm not mistaken... I was sick, and <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Well, I was recovering <laughs> from being sick. It was long enough that I wasn't contagious. I wasn't going to go see a movie while contagious. But I remember just feeling terrible, being really tired, and um, going and watching Air <laughs> on a win- Like It was like probably like 10 o'clock at night when we went to go see this. At the yeah, end, it was pretty which late. Which is not like a normal <laughs> time for us to go watch a movie, and... I'm not a big Ben Affleck fan, uh, but you know, I'm not a big night like like biopic about company kind of fan unless they're specific ways. <laughs> so like, I don't know. This was weird. Air ended up being fine. It's fun. Yeah, fine. I it's, think is a good way to describe it's it. It's hitting a lot of the beats of like biopics. That's really all it's doing. And it, for that, it's really interesting, I guess. But it doesn't ever kind of justify its biopic status like a lot of others, I feel, do. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I really learned that much <laughs> by g- being told the story of Air. Like, I would have been much more interested to hear something specifically about Michael Jordan <laughs> than about the creation of the shoe. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it falls very much into the same category as like Moneyball or Ford v Ferrari. Those were the two films I compared it to. Yeah. Um, it's just like true story, small success thing <laughs> with Matt Damon. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's strange, really. Um, but it is fun. I like the cast. No, nothing it's too gener- notable about yeah, it. It's generally well-paced. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it feels like it's ticking boxes. Yeah. And for that, it's really fun. I bet all of your dads enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, no, certified dad movie. Certified dad movie. Um, but it is good. I gave it a three out of five. I gave it a three and a half out of five. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's like, it's just a, it's a fine movie. Hey, there you go. Could have been better. Uh, next up is Eat Better, which is a documentary that I watched at the Atlanta Film Festival this year. I didn't watch it. Um, it's a like dual narrative or dual timeline uh, documentary. It compares the lives of p- two people um, working on their like at their jobs and their personal lives and stuff. Cool movie in theory, not as fun in practice. Um, it's just kind of mundane. <laughs> As, as sad as that is, um, I don't know. It, it feels like you could cut out about half the stuff in here and still end up with a good like narrative, because um, like the thesis of it is really cool and like the fun, the finale is really good, um, but it's just too long. It, it like we don't need to see all of this <laughs> kind of thing. I was about to say I don't see its runtime listed. How long is it? Uh, it's like ninety minutes, <laughs> which is crazy to think that I like, Oh, it needed to be shorter, but yeah, no, you could, you could cut it down and still get a good (laughs) documentary. Yeah. Eat better. I gave it a, I think three out of five. Yeah. It's good. It's good, but it's not great. Up next we have, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Craig, Kelly Freeman Craig, like Dune. (laughs) Oh no. Dune mentioned. Uh, Rachel McAdams. Of course we got Benny Safdie here. Uh, We've got, this was a cool movie. I was oh not, I did goodness. not know what to expect from oh this movie. Oh my goodness. I, it wasn't really like, <laughs> you know, made for, for me specifically. I not made for like adult men. Adult yeah. men, yeah, that's a little, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just the way it goes about a lot of its religious, like, engagements is really interesting coming from like dealing with the kind of split household and everything between different religious backgrounds. Yeah. And the way it grapples with being an adolescent, even though I was not an adolescent girl, um, it, it has a lot to kind of dig into about that in a really kind of wholesome way. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a it's one of the best coming of age movies I know of. It managed it manages to weave like a really interesting thematic tapestry because it says a lot about like young womanhood and friendship a lot of the time, too. And like the pressures that are applied to young people in like just modern society, religion. It's, yeah. it's really cool. I was about to say, Leo, <laughs> Leo said he saw it and it made him uncomfortable. And I totally get that because <laughs> yeah. I know some of Leo's background. And yeah. that well, that's kind of what the point of what this is going it is, for. Yeah, the it, turmoil that it, it made puts me on a uncomfortable. child yeah. <laughs> between like parents and religion and all of that. that yeah, what what responsibility do you have to like indoctrinate your child into religion? Yeah. And, and what what does that do to a child, basically, is yeah, the whole thesis think, of the film. I was gonna say I think it's got really interesting and yeah. important things to say about that. Yeah. 
But also Rachel McAdams and Benny Sass. It's so sweet, and I love the cast so much. Literally, the central like four people are so so good. Um, and I really need to watch Edge of Seventeen. Um, because this is uh, Kelly Freeman Craig's second movie. Yeah, because we haven't we have actually I haven't seen Edge of Seventeen yeah. either. But this is her this is her second film from that. Um, so yeah. Very cool movie. Good. I gave it a four and a half out of Very five. Very good movie. I Very gave it a four out of five. Uh, definitely go see it if you haven't caught it yet. Yes. Next up is the Super Mario Bros. movie, which we did a whole episode on. It's probably one of the most negative episodes we've ever done on our show. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I still don't like it. <laughs> I still don't like the Super Mario yeah, Bros. Yeah, if anything, because I tried in that <laughs> podcast episode to maybe like sometimes try and defend some of the decisions <laughs> this movie made, because I did have fun with this. We went and saw this with I did not. <laughs> uh, my sister and um, her fiance yeah. and me and my girlfriend and Robbie. So we went a whole I went whole solo, baby. <laughs> and it was really fun to be like, the, the, the Mario thing. Oh. Mario? Mario. They played the Mario music. Uh, but this is kind of abysmal <laughs> as a movie. There is not there's not much here that's like a movie. It's this not thing a movie. is like it's barely a movie. This dude. thing barely has a plot. <laughs> it barely has a conflict. It barely has Luigi, which was the best part of the whole movie, and he's hardly in it. For shame, dude. Get putting Charlie Day in your movie and then giving him like five scenes. Yeah, you can feel that they, you can feel there was a big tension, and I'm sure it was like going to be impossible to make a good movie from this between Nintendo and Illumination. And Nintendo is rough enough <laughs> to work with, they're really strict about their IPs. And then Illumination is also all over the place. So it was going to be like impossible to make a good movie practically from this. And I mean, you could tell the creators really wanted to. Yeah. No, I, I mentioned in the episode that we did that like the only big upside to the Mario movie, in my opinion, is that you can tell all of the people working on it really cared about Mario, at least. Yeah, um, they did like uh, besides <laughs> besides Chris Pratt, the casting is all really fun. <laughs> Jack Black as Bowser is really good. Even, yeah, even he's Seth fun. Rogen as Donkey Kong, I thought was yeah. fun. Uh, the Charlie, dialogue still Charlie sucks, Day as but Luigi. He's fine, yeah. Like they're good choices, kind of. Like they're yeah. good choices. They they sound like good choices. Jack Black On as paper, yeah. Jack Black as Bowser is legitimately a good choice, but he's, he's hardly good. a character in this movie. He's hardly a villain. He's literally just a ticking clock that doesn't matter. And he's there for his funny dude, song. Dude, nothing in this movie matters. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris Pratt's playing Garfield, and I'm gonna say stuff that would get me get our video demonetized. <laughs> oh gosh, dude! Yeah, Super Mario Bros. movie, maybe my least favorite of the year. Not the worst of the year, but probably my least. It's just so dry, and I hate that because you can tell they loved Mario, and yeah. I love Mario. Again, Mario is like. Oh, I love Mario. Every uh, uh, this is not a unique thing. Mario is like the biggest game franchise, I'm a big but I was about to say, Mario, like, we dude. grew up playing mario there are very few main series mario games that i have not played yeah um so it's it's sad i think i gave mario a two and a half out of five i gave it a two out of five uh cynical corporate product thumbs down i don't i don't approve <laughs> it's a shame up uh, next we have beef beef which is our first series and the first one i believe that i've seen uh, no, Strays or oh, whatever yeah, we, it was called. Yeah, um, the Strays. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The first 
good thing. <laughs> you do need to pull up the page. For oh it. yeah, shoot. I keep I keep pulling these up on yeah. the other screen. I'm sorry if you guys hear clicks throughout this. <laughs> but yeah, this is a I believe a Netflix original yes, series. It is a Netflix um, starring four thing. Ali Wong and Steven Yoon. And it's it's really I was really interested in it. Like honestly, especially as somebody like I've had a lot of anger issues in my past and like dealing with that. So to see this concept come up really intrigued me. Chat says uh, beef with scrumptious. Beef so scrumptious. So scrumptious. <laughs> I need to watch it. I haven't even started um, it yet. And like so the concept alone intrigued me. Steven Yeun's like one of my favorite actors, so I was like, I gotta watch this. And it's really interesting. It did it, it took it in places I didn't thematically expect. It took it in directions I didn't inherently expect. And then it has some just like really funny stuff, but absolutely brutal stuff. Like there's some genuinely really strong emotional scenes in this show. And I was not expecting that from this show. It also drops a lot of its comedy elements. I think I have some issues with the way its story progresses and just like some of the weird plot threads and the way the actual finale plays out feels... I don't know, just kind of lame, but there are moments in this where it's like one of the coolest shows I've seen in a while and speaks to me pretty personally. Interesting. I know it's, it's funny. I didn't realize Ali Wong was the, uh, like co-lead of this. Um, and you watched one of her specials after, after this, yeah, not I did. too long after. I did. Um, also, yeah. So <laughs> they said, if you guys like Steven Yeun, Invincible is one of my favorite animated shows. I've watched oh. the first episode of Invincible. I haven't started But the thing it. is, I've, I watched so, like, there's so many TV shows to get through Yeah, and I thought Invincible, when I started it, was 20-minute episodes, and I was like, oh, I can watch these with lunch. No. I turned it on, it was like an hour episode, and I was like, oh. Uh, uh. I, yeah, I have, so I, such a hard turned it on. I have such a hard not time that I don't want to. TV shows. Not that, that I don't want long. to, it's just so long. It's the same reason I haven't started Beef yet, it's yeah. just, it's a long show. It takes a lot of, a lot of gumption for me to start a show that's this long, but Beef, very good, I gave it a 4 out of 5. Very cool. Uh, next up, I watched a fake movie. <laughs> Haley found out she could send calico cats in a box. So now she's sending calico cats in a box. Spam, spam chat with the calico cat. Wow, that rhymed. Bars, actually. Um, next, The next movie I watched is called Ghosted. Um, and oh. it's directed by an AI. <laughs> no, it's directed by Dexter Fletcher. Um, it was produced for Apple TV+. Plus. It has Chris Evans and Anna Dermas and Adrian Brody. By all accounts, um, a no. movie I should enjoy. Netflix sat there and they and they twirled their mustache. Or no, okay, fine. The streaming service corporation <laughs> sat there and they twirled their mustaches, and were like, "Let's get a cast that nobody can resist. No one can resist. It has Tim Blake Nelson and in it. Uh, put it through an AI. <laughs> I I I'm not saying that the script was written by by an AI, but we have no way to disprove that either. <laughs> so. <laughs> I didn't watch it because I thought it would be super bad. Honestly, I was a little I was a little generous in my review that I wrote. Um, I, I said I had just watched True Lies before I watched this, and it's kind of like that similar kind of like oh normal guy, but he's it's espionage. Whoa, that's crazy. Um, but it's like that, but like terrible. 
Yeah, and like <laughs> Anna de Armas is like one of my favorite actresses. So for me to just look at a movie she's in and be like, that looks so bad that I did not want to turn it on, that's saying something, my, I think. My takeaway from 2023, I think, should be don't watch streaming service originals with actresses that I like just because there's an actress that I like. <laughs> oh. But yeah, no, it's really, it's really tediously plotted. Like it doesn't make that much sense. It's really sloppily constructed. There's no, there's almost no charm to it. Like you would need something really charming to make a script this bad work, and it just doesn't. It doesn't have that. Um, yeah, this is probably the worst movie I've seen this year. It's <laughs> it's really bad. I'm considering bumping it down to a one star, but it, I gave it a two. I'm gonna stick with that for now. <laughs> Ghosted. Big thumbs down. Don't don't watch it. <laughs> Up next, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah, which, um, dude. I think we're deep out of our MCU phase. Everybody had one. Don't, don't <laughs> what, try and this act. Our MCU yeah. phase. Oh, don't yeah. try and act like you didn't watch a bunch of MCU movies. You did. <laughs> Statistically, you definitely did. Um, but. Not a single MCU movie that has come out within like the last like three or four years at this point have I really been that interested in. When did Endgame come out? I don't, I don't know. 20, Who knows? Twenty nineteen. Who knows? Who cares? I don't know. That was the last one I really <laughs> no, cared I about. <laughs> but that being said, I gave a couple other MCU projects a taste. A little, a little. I dipped my toes in, and they were bad, and <laughs> I was bored. But Guardians uh, of the Galaxy had been consistently one of the better things done in the entire MCU. It's and it's one of the most auteur driven corners of the MCU with James Gunn which kind of like an, very much yeah. being the creative lead of all of them. Which isn't inherently a good thing. Not that, that yeah, but not necessarily to some of thing. the series' problems. <laughs> yeah. That being said, Guardians mm. of the Galaxy Volume Three uh was a surprising good movie. The the best of the trilogy? Probably. Probably my favorite of the trilogy, <laughs> which has shocked me. Yeah, um, I, I was really surprised. I thought that Rocket Raccoon has always been one of my favorite characters from the MCU, so for this movie to focus around him in general and to take such a, I don't know, kind of like quote-unquote mature look at his character is really interesting. It's still a full-fledged, kind of ugly-looking MCU project. <laughs> But I mean, for all of its like ugly medium wide shots, you do get some like really nice action sequences and like some vibrant colors on occasion. I it's think, not quite yeah. as nice to look at as like volume two, but it is, I think, better. Like the geography is a bit better than volume two is. So. Yeah. And it just does such a good job of taking the character arcs of these characters besides besides <laughs> Peter Quill and Gamora, which Endgame shot in the back of the head, uh, uh, and poor almost James, literally poor James Gunn, man, he didn't get to do <laughs> this trilogy the way he wanted to. So all of that stuff's kind of weird. Yeah, but to see is. to see all of like the other characters who didn't get messed up by the by Endgame and Infinity War um, have this kind of conclusive character arc and have this really emotional story around Rocket while also having just a genuinely pretty fun blockbuster like as blockbusters go this is this is a good one it's pretty well paced it's got good action yeah fun dude. set pieces oh i love the good set jokes pieces. The, the prison break thing that's awesome that's awesome dude <laughs> um i i mentioned in my review that i think this is probably like the best marvel movie by my <laughs> metric we got we got some we love got a, for Rocket in the chat. Yeah, but we also got a comment that Craglin shouldn't have called the dog bad. That's funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But see, that's a funny bit, I think. 
Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I'll stand by that, like, James Gunn is a really good emotional screenwriter, and that's showcased really well here, and, like, in, in any of the Guardians movies, but this one especially, I think. And Kevin Feige did such a bad job that now uh, James Gunn is in charge of the DC <laughs> universe. Uh, yeah, Guardians 3 best guardians movie maybe best marvel movie probably probably the last the last uh mcu movie i'll ever try and go see in theaters i can't <laughs> think of a single reason i would try and go see another one but i gave it a four and a half out of five i gave it a four out of five great stuff i liked it a lot uh next up uh we have a couple of atlanta film festival watches um i watched a documentary called ship happens uh, it was fine. I don't know. <laughs> what is there to say about Ship Happens? It's kind of boring, I guess, which is really strange, because, like, it's about, like, this big ship that, like, wrecks right around the, the Georgia coast, which is cool. It's, like, set right around where I live. Um, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it just doesn't really have, like, an engaging narrative as a documentary, it doesn't really bring a cool perspective to its topic. Um, it's just kind of boring. That's really its biggest defense. Uh, Ship Happens, I gave it a 2 out of 5. Not not my favorite. Uh, and then after that, I watched another documentary called The Only Doctor. It's about uh, a rural Georgia uh, town, county, uh, where there's only one doctor oh, I was currently like, why employed. So much, why so much Georgia stuff? But then <laughs> I remember the Atlanta, the Atlanta Film, Film Festival. Film Festival. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like one of the one of the least like well funded and uh, the like government in infrastructure has failed at the most uh, counties in Georgia, where there's uh, there's currently only one doctor's office. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's I I appreciate the sentiment around this one a lot. Um, I don't know. It, there's a lot of good stuff here, but at the same time, like it doesn't really have that much, uh, like going for it as a narrative. Uh, you know, since it is a documentary film <laughs> and not just like a fun little like article that you're reading online or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I think uh, American healthcare is a joke, <laughs> and I'm not like less than a joke. I'm afraid. Yeah, um, I gave the only doctor a three out of five. I would I would rewatch it, but I'm not like jump. I'm not chomping at the bit <laughs> to revisit it or anything. Uh, after that, we have John Mulaney's Baby J. Baby J. Which I remember. I think we mentioned this pretty extensively on what we watched. Yeah, episode we talked we about it on a what we watched episode. And you know, John Mulaney is like a big. <laughs> like obviously a big comedian for like influences on what i've seen of comedians he's one of the only comedians i've watched a lot of their stuff from. i was about to say you're very limited uh taste of stand-up special <laughs> i'm not the biggest stand-up <laughs> fan and i've always really loved john mulaney's work and getting getting to see this is really interesting because this is such like a different era of john mulaney his life obviously changed in some yeah. pretty drastic ways between this and his last special and he he's very like he takes such a different approach to it but it works really well i really thought it's not quite as funny i would say as some of his other specials but it's a different kind of funny and yeah. I think it's very it's very engaging. I was super engaged with this, almost more so than a lot of other of his specials in terms of an, an entire full formed narrative. 
Yeah, uh, I was going to compare it to, I think his name is Jared Carmichael. Is, is, is that the right guy? Is that, I don't know who Jared Carmichael is, Rebby, so uh, I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> um, there was a stand-up special I watched last year. It was very popular. Um, I think it's called Rothaniel. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I believe the comedian's name was uh, Jared Carmichael, but correct me if I'm wrong. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was a very good special. It reminds me a lot of this. It's a lot more uh, guy sits down, talks about his problems and tells some funny anecdotes along the way. Yeah, which works really well. Yeah, which is, like you said, a departure from his usual style, but it works really well here. Again, so. and he makes he makes some fun jokes about the fact that it's a departure from his yeah. normal style. Uh, it was really good. I, I liked it a lot. Hopefully John Mulaney staying out of his cocaine era. But <laughs> as, as a, a white 20-something guy, I am contractually obligated to love everything that John Mulaney produces. So. <laughs> yeah, take that with a grain of salt. I gave it a 4 out of 5. Jonathan, oh, who is this? <laughs> uh, Haley, yeah, do you not know? Like, dude, didn't you watch Baby J? Didn't you watch any of his stuff? He has a, he has a, a big problem with cocaine. Yeah, well, most most of Baby J is about rehab. Yeah, about his when he was in rehab. rehab from, yeah, and he he makes jokes about it during Baby J about like people always wonder why I was so like high energy and sweating on stage and all of my jokes were very <laughs> uh but yeah uh what did you rate it oh i rated it uh, uh it said four and a half four and a half yeah. five. <laughs> i give it a four out of five now, uh, we're, now we're out of my stuff for a while uh next up another atlanta film fest debut film um from jessica kozak called wilder than her this is one of my favorites of the festival if you watch any of them i would recommend this one uh <laughs> The plot summary, it says examining grief, gaslighting, and female friendship with a thriller twist, <laughs> which is a funny way to describe so Robbie, it. It's, it's Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss, it, the movie. It's Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss, but they go on a camping trip. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, I thought it was a really like well-directed movie and like pretty well-written. Like The way it goes about structuring its thriller narrative is pretty cool. It's pretty well shot. Um, like all of its character uh, dynamics feel pretty natural. Um, it has a good ebb and flow and everything. Um, a lot of the second act feels a bit samey, but it, it's still really enjoyable. I really enjoyed the performances. Uh, Sunita Mani is really, really good. She's a great lead for this. I hope I see her in more stuff soon, please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, wilder than her. I don't know if I said the name at first. <laughs> it's called Wilder Than Her. I gave it a three out of five. A good movie. Good movie. <laughs> um, next up is Big George Foreman, which was directed by George Tillman Jr., uh, which I think... I think... No, this is not his debut. He's, he's directed Notorious and The Hate You Give. Um, but I got to go see it uh, at a press screening, and I got to meet... Uh, I think George, yeah, George Foreman was there. I got to meet George Foreman, kind of. He was, like, <laughs> five feet away from me. <laughs> uh, but I got to sit, like, on the very front row, which gave me a very odd perspective to a lot of the visuals in this. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's fine. It's, like, generic uh, biopic thing. I had, uh, like, press screener brain when I reviewed it the first time. Um, and I gave it a four out of five, but I gave it a three after that. <laughs> um... I don't know. It was cool. Uh, to a degree. 
probably not for everyone. I don't know, Big George Foreman, not much to write home about, but it was fine. I gave it a 3 out of 5. Uh, next up is another Atlanta Film Fest uh, movie, barely a feature. It's called Red Earth. I didn't love it. I gave it a 2 out of 5. It's not experimental enough to really like pull it off what it's trying to do, and it's kind of boring. So <laughs> not my favorite. Uh, Red Earth, 2 out of 5. Yeah. <laughs> oh look we're back to me i can hey. speak again yeah wow yeah you didn't have to stay silent you could have well, offered some commentary we were having we were having fun um <laughs> duo antics in the chat <laughs> uh, but up next we have indiana jones and the dial of destiny my goodness why are there so many just like juiceless movies in the lineup they lost the juice man <laughs> they lost the juice this year <laughs> they lost the juice uh yeah dial of destiny we went and saw this in the theater with our dad um shout out to dad i think he might have fallen asleep for part of it <laughs> i almost fell asleep for part okay of it. so okay we just got a comment that said indiana jones was good i don't care and like i i half agree with you and i you know, like you'll, i came i came away from this way more positive than robbie did i, I gave it a three out of five you did yeah um, i think it has a lot of good ideas and i'm a really yeah. big sucker for adventure movies oh, I love like adventure this is like movies. my genre far more so than it is even yeah yours, i was about so. to say even more than i even more like this me. is like my thing indiana jones was like my favorite for a long time and i think there are stuff in here that like works but it just didn't need to be this like there's so much that's just flat and empty and we didn't need another Harrison Ford thing. All of the third act stuff is confused and it drags on. It doesn't lead to any better of an emotional oh conclusion for Harrison Ford <laughs> than Crystal Skull was. Though I'm not a big Crystal Skull fan either. It was just... There's so much here that is less hateable and more just numbing i would say that's a good way to describe watching <laughs> dial of destiny is numbing <laughs> again um, i put in my review i think that it feels <laughs> extremely cheap even though it was extremely expensive yeah it, all the visuals are so muddy and like every sequence goes on forever and it feels like they, they had really good set pieces but they had no idea how to shoot them yeah the shooting and editing of the action sequences is kind of bad and it's just it never grabbed me emotionally. There's not really a great sense of dramatic tension at any point in the story. I don't know. Anytime it felt like it was starting to get going, something would drag on for way too long or it would get cut off. Okay, this was a good joke, though, that what? I put in my review. <laughs> We're going back in time to get Nazis off the menu. That's right. <laughs> We're going back in time to get Nazis off the menu. That's, I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, I, I, okay. My last thing I'll say about Dial of Destiny. I think the ending is silly, <laughs> but like, it's not even, that's not even the biggest problem it has. Yeah. Yeah. The ending is really <laughs> dumb. We, we were laughing in the theater. We were like, what if, what if the watch that's, if you've seen the movie, you know, the watch, uh, what if it was like an Apple watch or something? <laughs> because it's just it's so silly the entire thing is silly it's not yeah it's silly but not in like a oh i i can't wait to laugh along with dial of destiny what a what a great time silly in just a muddied way that feels like everybody was 
resurrected from their grave to come make this movie. I feel like I feel like Dial of Destiny feels like a dream I had one time, and Literally. like I'm like, was that was that like a real Indiana Jones movie, or did I just like <laughs> did I just have some like weird food the night before? I gave it a three out of five. I gave it a two out of five. Man, I, it's almost as like flat for me as Mario is. I don't. I did not like it. But up next we have May December. <gasps> Todd Haynes. Haynes. Mike has talked about this one uh, quite a bit, at least in like one of the more recent episodes. Yeah, so not only did I talk about this in a recent episode, but I also did a little spoiler-free review for this on my channel in Greyway Films. You can go check that out. That's fun, probably. <laughs> but this is like... This is one of my favorites of the year. I'm a big Todd Haynes fan at this point now. Uh, we got a subscriber in the chat. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm a big Todd Haynes film from what I've seen of his, which is odd to, too, though, because there are some Todd Haynes films that just kind of like, that I, that I kind of don't like. Like Dark Waters is fine and Wonderstruck I actively didn't enjoy. But having now seen Carol and May December, I'm like, Todd Haynes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but May December is just one of the most impactful films to me of the year. I think it's one of the best. It gives us one of the best performances of the year for sure. Yeah, uh, Charles Melton Charles Melton is insane Whoa. in this. He's but so good. Natalie Portman so and Julianne good. Moore are also really, really <laughs> fun. And like, there's just so much there. It's it's disturbing. It's funny. It's engrossing. It's got a great mystery, it's got great drama, and, like, it's got great heart. It's such a good movie. I was a little more lukewarmish on it than you were. Um, I do agree that the performances are, like, amazing. Um, this is my first, like, Todd Haynes movie that I've ever seen, so I don't have much context on, like, how this falls in stylistically or thematically with the rest of his career. A lot of people are saying it's, like, a good culmination of a lot of the stuff he's touched on in the past um it left me really sad like i was sad for the rest of the day oh, after it's, it finished it's a very <laughs> see which is interesting that you can like obviously it's a really like crushingly sad film but it's interesting that you came off like so sad from it so sad, when dude. like it's the ending beat is far more upbeat and disturbing than it is blatantly sad that's the thing i wasn't like I don't know. Maybe I'm desensitized to stuff like this, but like I wasn't that part. Pardon? No, no, no. I was no desensitized to stuff like what? Right? Not the stuff like the way it's presented in the movie. Like it's just I I felt more so than like oh this is so disgusting. More like this is so like crushingly terrible. And I mean sad. it is crushingly terrible, yeah. but it's also really disgusting. No, it is. It is. That that just wasn't like my big takeaway from May December when i watched it um, yeah i don't know i think it's got a ton of interesting things to say about yet again true crime and it's yeah icky bleh-ness. the the so-so um, ethics of true crime <laughs> yeah and just so so much is interesting to dive into um though i always forget uh like because i because i'm out here in the streets uh repping this content warning for this one i yes. always forget about content that. warning for me to remember um, before you go yeah. just turn it off because <laughs> there's some stuff but it's a very yes. good yes then what? Oh, I, uh, gave I gave it a, it a five out of five. Sorry. I gave it a four out of five. I'm going to rewatch it though. One of my favorites of the year. Uh, next up is Killers of the Flower Moon, the newest Scorsese movie. Yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, on my YouTube channel, I did an entire thing like before this came out, an entire 
big long binge of every Scorsese movie, like or rather feature length narrative Scorsese movie. Yes, I haven't yeah. seen all of his documentaries yet because that would have taken even more time and money. But uh, I've seen all of Scorsese's feature-length narrative films, so I was super-duper excited to get to see a new one in theaters, I believe, in yeah. IMAX. Yeah, we got, we got to see it in IMAX, which was pretty crazy. And <laughs> this this is really good. This is the, I, I was very nervous, as I think a lot of people were going into this movie. It's just always a little weird to have, like, I don't know, a non-native director <laughs> do such, like, a... a like a native centric movie. He's like one of the oldest, <laughs> the old, old white guy. Yeah, one of the oldest white guys working in Hollywood, but also one of the most talented old white guys working in Hollywood. And obviously, he went through a lot of steps to try and make this as, like, you know, work with the credit work, credit community you, yeah. as much as he can. But then he also goes in and does just like a really, really like interesting, engaging, and brutal like third act little reveal about the way the story is being told that really i don't know it really hits hard it's such a cool moment in fact i believe i think somebody just watched may december and compared these to each other in their relation to their true stories interesting um yeah because of the way they're narratively framed i don't know if i think it was taylor j williams i didn't perhaps. i didn't know may december is that based on a true it's story based oh, on a true story gosh yeah. oh no <laughs> i didn't know that yeah oh no so i don't know it's just really good the performances are fantastic like fantastic fantastic I'm blanking on names right now. Uh, Lily Gladstone. Yeah. I really hope she wins an Oscar for this. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't imagine a world where she doesn't, right. quite frankly. I don't know. But, <laughs> like, DiCaprio is really fun in this, as always. This is such an interesting role to kind of stretch what you're used to seeing from him. Yeah. De Niro is an, an insanely evil man in this, which really works well. I wish I was more on board for what De Niro's putting down in this movie. I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite as big a fan of the whole thing as you are. Um, Lily Gladstone, I wish she was in it more, quite yeah, frankly. I would say my biggest my biggest <laughs> complaint about the whole movie, and it wasn't a huge complaint yeah. for me, because it, I mean, it is what it is. It, it's going for what it's going for. Yeah. But I really wish we did get more Molly. I mean, that was yeah. kind of the whole point of her character, though, was that she was so silent and that still so expressive. And, like, that was, I don't know, it would be kind of disingenuous to, like, write a character that's very drastically different than her as a person. Yeah. But at the same time, for it being so about Molly, it is a shame that it feels like we are, are lacking Molly at parts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was about it. I think maybe I was just in a weird mood when I watched it, but I just found myself disengaging with it a lot around the like back half of it. Um, I just wasn't that into a lot of the crime stuff or like the trial and everything. I was like, I, I mean, this is like, obviously it's good. It's well edited. It's like well directed. We're emotionally brought into their no, relationship. I, I, I really want to be, but I just wasn't. Um, and I don't know why. I, I really do think it might have just been because I was tired when I saw it. Yeah, you were super tired and it's like a three and a half yeah, hour I was I was actually fighting to stay awake through like the last 20 minutes of this. So um, take, I, do with that what you will. I don't know. I think it's really, really cool. I think it's a really it thickening is. movie with what it leaves you with. I yeah. love the way they use violence in the movie because it's not an overtly violent film but then at the same time it's an extremely violent film when it is yeah um and they use that to really good punctuation so i mean scorsese is like 
he's obviously a very knowledgeable and like well-versed director he made a great movie like it's undeniably great i think uh it just it just wasn't fully my bag which that that's like the only criticism i can throw at it yeah i gave it a five out of five i gave it a four out of five i think it's i think it's great um but not perfect Ooh. <laughs> oh man we're going we're it's already 9 30 i know i know we gotta pick up the pace on some of these yep <laughs> uh up next we have asteroid city the new wes anderson feature new wes anderson um, yeah baby this is one of the wes anderson films that i personally have connected to the most on an emotional level which is really interesting because the biggest criticism i three see throw see thrown at it mm -hmm. is that it he's he's gone too close to the wes anderson son and has lost a lot of the emotional resonance but this like i was crying in the theater with yeah, this movie i, I was, know dude i maybe this, maybe we're just weird but like i maybe, i thought this one draws like drew me in really well yeah there are only a couple films oh. like i like wes anderson's films but there are only a couple films from him ever that i've really felt much emotional connection to and really the main ones being moonrise kingdom and this i still can't get into moonrise um, kingdom i can't <laughs> i don't know what it is yeah i don't i mean that's that's the way i feel like his movies kind of are yeah. a lot of the movies that a lot of people really connect with from him i don't and see dude i like cry like three times every time i see fantastic mr fox which i don't yeah <laughs> but asteroid city it's got some of i think some of his best character work some of his best performances one of his most fun locations and yeah. one of his m most unique stories it does feel like he's teetering on the edge of going too far with some moments almost a lot of people have said it teeters on like self-parody at points yeah but uh, honestly i think it works for what it's going to and i love its little third act breaks and not third act breaks third wall breaks sorry i got distracted by a message <laughs> popping up third wall breaks yeah. and like all of the theater stuff is fantastic in my opinion um like the minute margot robbie is in the film is fantastic i mean i i think it's a really smart framing device for the whole thing the the movie practically is a walking framing device um yeah and i think it's a really i think it's like a quintessential covid movie quite frankly like pandemic movie yeah i would agree um and i i love it it's personally one of my favorite wes anderson movies that i've seen i need to catch up on a lot of his like early career stuff that i haven't watched yet yeah um but if we're talking like late like his latest stuff i i do enjoy the french dispatch quite a much uh, quite a bit quite a much quite a much uh, quite a much uh, <laughs> but yeah no asteroid city it's really it's really great if you haven't like if you didn't catch it in theaters go watch it now because like if you lived through the pandemic then i think you'll connect with it or if you care about like storytelling or, art. Say, or if you're a, like an artist or storyteller yeah. i think especially yeah but yeah i gave it a five out of five very cool i gave it a four out of five i thought it was great up next oh this is one you haven't seen I'll, i will back away <laughs> yeah we're talking about the boogeyman directed by rob savage it's a john wick prequel <laughs> no <laughs> oh uh, i think this is technically a stephen king adaptation too which mm -hmm. is really funny um, it is and you know i watched this with Haley in theaters and then watched it again with my mom at home and both times it was it's good it's like i put it pretty well i think when i said it's pretty much just a weaker smile. It feels like it's very much going through the motions of what Smile is doing. It's a very similar structure to Smile. There are scenes that practically one-to-one -one parallel Smile. 
and smiles just a bit scarier, a bit more engaging. It's also rated R, so it can go for some moments a bit more than the Boogeyman can with its PG-13. And the Boogeyman, like, I like parts of it better. Um, mainly the main character being, like, a teenage girl, I think works a lot more for this than Smile does. Like, I, I there are parts of Smile that really annoy me yeah. in terms of its main character and everything. Yeah, I was and, about to say, when you said, like, a weaker version of Smile, I'm like, a lot of people would say Smile's already pretty bad. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Smile's that strong. Yeah. But I, I don't think the Boogeyman is that strong. Exactly. You completely forgot about it because it just probably got absorbed into your mind from <laughs> Smile because Smile's just doing this but better. Um, but I do like that it has kids as its leads. I really, I think that helps. But outside of that, there's not, so much, there's not much too notable. I gave it a three out of five. Fair enough. I kind of want to see it still, but like at the same time, you know, maybe during Halloween, this upcoming <laughs> Halloween, I'll catch up with it. Uh, I don't have too much to say about this next Ooh, one. Yeah. So we'll, we'll try and go fast on this one. Yeah. Up next, we have Elemental. Elemental. Uh, new Disney Pixar. Yes, it's yeah, a Pixar, Pixar film. Yeah. And similarly to Scorsese, I've done a video ranking every Scorsese movie, uh, every, every Pixar movie <laughs> every to Pixar a certain movie. point. This is why I don't do live stuff. <laughs> um, I did not, I stopped that like around Lightyear. I still haven't seen Lightyear. Oh gosh. <laughs> Spare yourself. <laughs> Don't watch Lightyear. But Elemental was weird, and I heard a lot of weird things about it. It is weird. And we went and yeah. saw it, and I felt really terrible that day. Like, just, <laughs> just anxiety-wise and yeah. everything. I was yeah. not feeling great. Um, and, you know, it was fine. It was cute. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it runs into some of the same stuff that Zootopia does for just having weird racial allegories. Like, it's. That just, don't really make any sense. It doesn't really work. When you apply any thought to them. Yeah, like, I see what they're going for, but it's a better immigrant story than it is a story about racism. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know, like, the romance is fine, it's honestly the best part, but it's focused on way less than I wish it would. The actual conflict of the story is kind of mid. Yeah, I'm kind of, I, I was really let down coming out of Elemental, because, like, the romance is really sweet, um, and then it's just kind of shoved into, like, this weird yeah. cookie-cutter three-act like drama. I was about to say the romance only feel like, their romance feels like strictly necessary. It yeah. does not feel like a story that would allow them to not get together. Like it doesn't feel real for that aspect. So it feels like this genetically engineered story where they have to fall in love and get together for their grander story about, I don't know, interracial couples to work. It's, it's really strange because like elemental, I, I wanted it to be like, Given their like meet cute scene and everything, I wanted it to be like a before sunrise kind of that movie. That would have been so like, funny. Like a less structured, more free flowing movie where they have like smaller conflicts on the yeah. side rather than one big like, oh, the city's going to get destroyed say, or committing, something. <laughs> committing more to making a romance film yeah. than to making another like pixar box film yeah i was about to say i don't know why they felt they needed to raise like the physical stakes so much when the emotional stakes were already so high it just it just bogs the whole film down i didn't like that yeah my only other thing which i think is funny is uh that pixar comes up with so many fictional racial slurs <laughs> it's it's always funny i don't know why that is kind of like how has this happened so many times between like zootopia cars elemental <laughs> like Zootopia wasn't theirs, but Disney specifically, I guess, then. It's just a weird thing that's happened a lot. Um, I will say, 
if you're a big fan of 3D animation. This is really cool because you have two blob characters that always are moving around and like light moves through them yeah. and they create light. It's it's kind of insane from an animation perspective. And we got to see it in 3D. So that was Oh yeah, cool. 3D. That was cool. Um, uh, yeah. I gave it a three and a half out of five. I gave it a three out of five. I think it's fine. I just wish it was like way better. Yeah. <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite frankly. Okay, then we watched Speaking Spider-Man of, Across the Spider-Verse. Way better. <laughs> which my hot take is that I like it better than the first one because I, I think, think the I characters are yeah. better and I'm more engaged and uh, Miles and Gwen cute and I Gwanda. like them. Gwanda. <laughs> Miles and Gwanda. And uh, Hobie. Uh, I love this. I love the side cast in this one more than the first one. As good as the first one side cast is, um, but like the fact that we get Gwen is like the main character in this one, yeah, as really well is. as like a compelling narrative for Miles. Oh yeah, because kind of crazy. structurally how they have to do this since it's essentially <laughs> a part one movie is they and they did this in a really smart way is they have Gwen be the technical main character of this movie have yeah, her emotional she has arc like a complete be the arc, arc yeah. of the story and then have Miles be kind of secondary main character and have like the start of his arc so he is like midway through his arc at a high point yeah and then we end the movie Dude. And I think that was a really smart decision <laughs> it's a way better part one than Dune part one I'm it, tell, I'll yeah, tell you unfortunately, that much. unfortunately that is I would agree with that and I love Dune oh I love oh I love Dune so um, much but it's a great in movie. terms of an actual structured part one movie this actually kind of blows my mind that they made this work so well Haley screaming in the chat that she loves peter b parker, peter b. parker. <laughs> which is very funny you just like jake johnson you do i think I, are jake... you are you like a new no, girl no. fan she just like she just likes dads oh, okay so Fair enough. <laughs> do that do with that what you yeah. will <laughs> but yeah like the cast is amazing the animation the animation great. steps it up even i was about more, to say though. it's even more visually inventive than the first movie even though it is a bit more um um, polished like it's it doesn't have the more like street level kind of feel that the first movie has um i don't know it's interesting i loved it five good, out of five. a good sequel uh and a good part one i gave it a four out of five it doesn't thumbing up doesn't fully click giving the thumbs up remy <laughs> i give it the thumbs up i gave it a four out of five it's really good <laughs> Uh, yeah, next up... Haley, Haley, you can't say that he's only—he's not just only amazing because he's a dad, because he's only in, like, three scenes of the whole movie. He's in, like, six Specifically scenes. about him being a dad. All of the stuff is just dad antics with him in this movie. That is true. He's there to crack jokes and be a dad, and that's his so, whole role in, in Across the Spider-Verse. Not very convincing, Haley. <laughs> uh, but anyway, next up we have Shiny Happy People, Duggar Family Secrets. Yes. Again, I've talked about how I'm not a big fan of true crime, especially true crime documentaries um but i think this one is a super important one to me personally to be told like stories about religious uh establishments and their harms and corruption i think yeah. is some of the most important stories that we can tell and this one's real rough to get into yeah i caught the last like two episodes of this um and it was rough <laughs> <laughs> overall though as a documentary it's just fine it's not like the greatest it is very like it's, run of the mill it's kind of like you series cookie cutter uh hbo documentary yeah, it's, it's fine it's just whoop it's telling what it's telling but yeah. i do think its story is really important and i think it's pretty narratively engaging i don't think it needed to be nearly as long as it is they could have structured it a little bit better but it's still good and i think a really important story 
to tell. Yeah, from what I caught of it, it just feels like a TV broadcast, but yeah. like a, a fine TV broadcast here, here documentary. I think I gave it a four out of five. <laughs> you did. I <laughs> clicked on it right. How do, I, how do I know what you rated? Because you looked and I didn't look. <laughs> but yeah, moving, moving on. Uh, I included, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is one of the few shorts I included. Uh, it's called Once Upon a Studio. We talked about it pretty extensively it was cute. in one of the What We Watched episodes. Yeah, it's cute. Didn't uh, rate it. I, I said it was nifty. That was my review. <laughs> nifty. Yeah. I think Moving a, on. I think that's a pretty <laughs> uh, Up next, we have Wonka. Wonka. How does it end up this far out? I don't know. They were still working on it. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Wonka. Oh, it's UK premiere oh. with like... November 28th. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we went and saw Wonka in theaters. That was cool. Yes. Uh, I, did we did we have a chance to talk about Wonka on the podcast? I don't think we have. We, a little, I think. Maybe. I don't know. So Wonka... We saw it in IMAX. Wonka, I was super nervous about. I'm a huge Willy Wonka fan. That's like one of my favorite movies. And we I'm a an pretty, pretty big yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory hater. Not because it's a bad movie, but just because I really kind of hate all of its decisions outside of being a, like a decent movie. Like I just it's don't fine, like that. Yeah. I don't like the direction the story was taken, but uh, being such a big Willy Wonka fan, I was very nervous for having a prequel that so directly references and is clearly going for the '70s Willy Wonka. I hesitate to even call this thing a prequel because, it's like, really not. Yeah, it's just like a Willy Wonka origin story. Yeah, it does not that grabs from some broad strokes of the movie adaptation. It's technically supposed to be a prequel, yeah. but it, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's better to not view it that way, in my opinion, because Timothy Chalamet is just such a different Wonka from Gene Wilder. <laughs> I think he's a really good Wonka, which really shocked me. They do him so dirty in the trailers, <laughs> yeah. just like Haley just said, because all of his bad line deliveries are in the trailer. I don't know what they're doing to him. <laughs> I don't know what's happening because he's fine in the movie. He's really fun in the movie. Yeah. But in the trailers, I was so worried that he was about to be just terrible. Uh, I think because they, in the trailers, only used, like, his direct lines that were from the 70s Willy Wonka, which are all yeah. the lines he just does not, he does not do a good job delivering. He's not a similar actor to Gene Wilder. He does not bring any kind of comfort to those lines. So, outside of those lines, he's very good. I think this is a really nice, like, small-scale fun like vision of Willy Wonka like Paul King has pulled the narratives that he wants to see in Wonka <laughs> out of it and made like something really uh, unique and original and it's really sweet and like I don't know I love just the simple like character payoff stuff I love the music I love the performances it's it's a really good time Haley it's funny Haley's in the chat saying he can speak French by the way his name is Timothy Timothée Timothée Chalamet. That's not how you pronounce his last name, but he is he's French, Haley. His yeah. dad's French. Yeah. It, of course he speaks French. <laughs> um but yeah. Uh I think it's like it hits all the things that make Paul King really fun. It's yeah. not quite as good. Oh. It just got all spooky. Our lights turned off. Oh look at Duo. Oh look at Duo. He's so creepy. Why did our lights go off right? I don't know. They're on a timer. <laughs> but yeah. Um it hits all the Paul King magic. It's pretty fun on its own. All the stuff that references the old Willy Wonka isn't as good, but it's still fun. 
I, yeah. Seal of approval. I it's, give it a four out of five. It's one. Of, it's like a sleeper uh, pick for like my favorite movie of 2023. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Oh boy. Um, quick mention. I watched the Flash at a advanced screening. It's the most embarrassing review on my letterbox because I gave it a positive score, <laughs> which I it has only dropped in my opinion since I've seen it. Um. I still like the aesthetics of the movie, as weird as they are, uh, and as bad as they are. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's really awful. It f- almost feels like a joke. Like, everything people mock superhero movies for being is what this is. <laughs> it, like, like, almost to a comedic degree. Um, and I don't like the ethics of uh, all of its weird, deep fake stuff bringing dead actors back to life not the move guys it it makes me hate the movie even more (laughs) dude this movie from what i've seen i've not seen the movie i've seen clips of the movie this movie looks like garbage like throw up it's so it's so strange because it it's almost it's like almost good but then like it just falls flat on its face. Time to be real, guys. Whoa, it's time to be real. You're going to be in or be real. Whoa. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the Flash, bad. Oh, that's embarrassing. Let's get off the Flash. Yeah, I was about to say, let's let's click off the Flash. I gave it a 2 out of 5. Um, I don't think it's like the death of cinema or anything like some people, but it, it's definitely bad and has some really bad practices in it, and it... I don't know. I I feel I I feel really weirdly conflicted about the Flash when like by all accounts it's a bad movie. Um, right, yeah. the burritos, the throw up, the baby <laughs> in a microwave. What are you talking about? There's like there's like almost like an anti juice factor to the to the Flash that makes it fun to watch. Where it's like, what is happening right now? I feel like I'm going insane. <laughs> no, that Haley, you don't understand. Deep fake isn't an irrational fear. It 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 should you should be scared of that. Like there was a yeah. thing going around the other day where people were like, oh, ho, ho, look at this AI created doctored. Uh, it's camera like security camera footage of people being arrested in giant boots and i'm like guys do you understand the implications of making fake videos of people real people getting arrested for a crime yeah funny boots aside uh that's scary that's not good so no it's you should it's not an irrational fear uh it's creepy it's anti-art it's anti-human um bad yeah i was about to say really really (laughs) awful i hope no major studio or anyone ever ever does that again in a movie (laughs) but up next up next we have they cloned tyrone which we watched separately Uh, i think this is another directorial debut directorial debut from jewel taylor very cool i really want to see make another movie Uh, and this this was fun this was fun i don't have too much to say about it i think it hits a lot of really fun beats i think it's cool i think it's funny i think it's not quite doing anything special it feels like it's really just kind of going through the motions of the kind of movie that it wants to be not not really stretching to hit anything like big or impactful or even like super memorably funny but you can tell there's a lot of craft i'd hate to reduce it to just like solely a riff on sorry to bother you um because obviously it has its own thing and it's doing something like different from that um but it it definitely feels like an influence for this movie at the very least um and i don't know it it just feels like the plot's a bit unmotivated at times like it, it just gets real muddy around the middle as like like as to what the characters are supposed to be doing or like what they're supposed to be feeling at this moment i don't know it, it feels like it's treading water around the second act sometimes 
but the main trio are really fun to watch. They're like great in this. Um, and it's pretty well directed and it has like a fun, not necessarily fun. It has like a solid like message and thesis behind it. So yeah, I really like, I like that it can get a little absurd and goofy. Yeah, exactly. And one of the big takeaways from this for me, the last thing I'll mention is that the soundtrack, the original soundtrack is really good. I haven't listened to it. I listen to it all the time. I mean, I I heard it in the movie. I listen to it more than I think about the movie. (laughs) So I think that's cool. I give it a four out of five. Yeah. They clone Tyrone thumbs up. I give it a three out of five. Good movie. Uh, then I'll run over these real quick. Yeah. Because uh, I logged these, and I do consider most of the movies, so I, I do have them on my ranking, but I'll go through them fast. Uh, I didn't even finish the new season of Black Mirror because I've just been so uninterested, but I did watch four episodes of Black Mirror. I watched Black Mirror Maisie Day, which was, I think, the lowest average rated film uh, <laughs> that I watched uh, last year. Just period? That's yeah, crazy. because it's bad. It's really bad. It's <laughs> embarrassing. It's the worst thing I've ever seen come out of Black Mirror, and everyone involved should be embarrassed. Uh, then we have Black Mirror Beyond the Sea, which is... It's pretty good. It's fine. I know that was the one everyone was freaking out about, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's got Aaron Paul, and I love Aaron Paul. As <laughs> everyone much as likes the, Aaron Paul as much <laughs> as the next guy. I'm a big Breaking Bad fan, but it didn't really do that much with the concept that it had. There's some really interesting like mo- moments of violence and like some cool things that it's trying to go for, but I could see much better movies made from a very similar concept. So it wasn't super engaging for me. Then we have Black Mirror Lock Henry. Uh, which no Netflix be saying in one of your shows that true crime bad does not excuse all of your exploitation of true crime. You are literally one of the biggest defenders of that yeah. of all time. And it came out pretty darn close to all of the Dahmer stuff, which is one of the most egregious things that has ever come out in my lifetime when it comes to true crime. Yeah. Uh, maybe don't do that. And then especially don't be like, ah, oh, true crime. It's a little uh, morally ambiguous. Oh, oh, we don't know. <laughs> Especially when Streamberry is their whole thing or whatever in this, where they made a fake Netflix. I hate everything that is in Black Mirror to do with that. It does not work. Netflix, it's not cute. It's not funny. And it does not excuse the own issues that you guys have as a company to just kind of let your let your big popular show that makes you millions of dollars pass- passively poke at issues that you have as a company it really makes me turn off way more to lock henry than i originally would but it's fine um then we have black mirror joan is awful and a lot of people hated this one i didn't hate this one but it runs into the same problem as lock henry where it's running into that whole oh netflix they're kind of an evil company (laughs) aren't they so dystopian when there's not a single thing in these that netflix wouldn't do as a company i kid you not if they could do the plot of joan is awful they would i'm not even kidding uh i think the big problem is it's trying to be funny and it's not a particularly funny episode black mirror they need better comedy writers they don't have good all of the episodes that they do that are more comedically focused kind of fall flat but it was just fine not really memorable interesting uh i put carl's date on here it's the short that played before elemental it's fine (laughs) i don't know why i included it (laughs) carl's date 
It's fine. It's, it's cute. Fine. I okay. like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. We did a whole episode about it. They Reckon the Dead Part 1. Um, it's not as good as Fallout, but it is good. Yeah, I think it's got some fantastic action sequences. Did we do a whole episode? Yeah, we did a whole episode. Yeah. Oh, well, in that case, we don't need to go in depth. It's got amazing action, amazing cast. It's super epic and cool. I think I gave it a four and a half out of five. I gave it a four out of five. Good movies. Uh, Then I watched Insidious the Red Door in theaters with Haley. I had actually not seen any other Insidious movies besides the first one. But I still went and saw this in theaters because I don't care that much about Insidious and I wanted to see a horror movie with Haley. Um, I really enjoy watching horror movies with her. It's like my favorite thing, especially when it's in the theater. And Insidious the Red Door was dumb. It was fun, but it's dumb. (laughs) Uh, the main reason Silly. that it's dumb, which I also think this is a directorial debut for Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Like I said, check. there's a lot yep. of them. Yep. Um, but this is such a dumb movie on a conceptual level because the entire conflict of Insidious the Red Door is did the events of Insidious 1 and 2 happen? Yes. <laughs> and us as the audience being on Insidious number 5, we know that Insidious 1 and 2 happened. So it's really annoying to have your two characters spend the entire movie trying to figure out if the first two movies happened. Like, that is the main conflict outside of their relationship as father and son, which is, like, fine. The horror elements are fine. It's a fine movie. But, like, that's the big, like, why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you make that the plot? I don't get it. I give it a three out of five. Fair enough. Uh, next up on the docket is Barbie. Oh, we've got Barbenheimer specifically. It's Barbie true. Oppenheimer. Uh, Barbie. I love. Ah, uh, I love Barbie. Barbie's such a good movie. <laughs> it's so good. I should have worn uh, something Barbie related. I have three articles of clothing that are Barbie related. Yours is still and... t- tangentially connected to something we're going to talk about later. No. We we should do an episode <laughs> on Barbie. Yeah, we should. I was Maybe. super excited about Barbie. I mean, I think it everybody was, was, it was number like, one on my most yeah. anticipated films of this year. Easily the most popular film of the year next yeah. to Oppenheimer, yeah. obviously. Obviously. Um, and it's so much fun. There's so many good things. Marco Robbie is giving one of her best performances. Of course, she's amazing at everything. She's really a fantastic actress. Yeah, she's great. Um, Ryan Gosling is also extremely funny here. I love that they get to... Um... Oh, we have a message redacted. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what you said, but now it's redacted. Um, Ryan Gosling getting it to let loose comedically a bit is really, really fun. He's a great comedic actor, yeah. It's great. It really is fun. And it's... it's, This is where it gets complicated. (laughs) Because I really love the movie. I love Greta Gerwig. I love so much of what it's doing. But also, like... It's just... It's not quite there. There's a lot that falls really flat for me. Um, a lot of the side characters outside of Barbie and Ken, I don't think work super well. I don't think they did the greatest job of writing it all to make sense as a cohesive emotional narrative. I, it's just, it's close. It's close. I, I feel so bad talking about Barbie because I really do enjoy it uh, like a lot. Like right. it's one of my favorite films of the year. It's one of the more memorable films I've watched no, this I, year. Again, I own three pieces of Barbie clothing. Anything in Barbie Land, I'm down. Funniest stuff, man. It's, Hilarious, it's insightful. Got, yeah, funny. I was about to say a, a lot of their a lot of their commentary and stuff is very surface level, but it's fun. 
yeah, that I think that's my problem with Barbie at the end of the day is like everything outside of Barbie land feels, I don't know, I don't want to say sloppy, but like almost uh, sloppy is not a great word for it, but that's kind of what I'm going for. Shallow. Yeah, it it's just everything's very meat and potatoes, like very basic takeaways and not a very in-depth look at like at, at, at anything really. Yeah, like the, the use of the mom and daughter as characters, yeah. I feel like just doesn't like it, it just doesn't really work. And even Haley mentions Will Ferrell, but like, I like Will Ferrell as a comedic actor, but they just don't do anything with him. And that's part of like, yeah. it's stuff like that. Like I would have loved, like I obviously the speech that is, that the mom gives is really fantastic, but I feel like I, part of me, and again, the movie is, is made for, you know, girls it's and women. Me, it's no. not made for me. So I, this, this may just be that. And yeah. I can very well take that into account. But for the fact that I do not know her character well, and I'm not pulled into her character at this point in the film, as much as I liked the monologue, the speech that she does. No, it's a really, it's it's a really, really powerful, powerful monologue. monologue yeah. I just felt kind of out of place to see this character giving it. Yeah. Because I just don't know her. Like, I don't, I don't. I don't care about the mother-daughter relationship in a very cynical, like, film way, which makes me sad. Like, I yeah. wanted to. No, that's, so, that was really me. When I when I came out of the theater for Barbie, I'm like, that was a blast. And then I was like, but, like, anytime I look back on a certain, like, almost any given scene that's not just a comedic one, like, purely comedic, I'm like, ah, man, I wish it would just go a little further or do yeah. something a bit more. Which like, I know, I know a lot of something people, out a, little more. a lot of people, even a lot of women... <laughs> who really hate this movie because yeah. of what it is because it's so surface level and it's such a product it, film. it feels very like it's corporate like, approved feminism yeah. kind of thing and, and which not is fully, a shame i was about to say i'm not fully into like oh just because it is very much a mattel product that makes it inherently bad i but think I, it does it does take away from what this down. film could have been. yeah i think um, i think there's a much better film lurking in the being, in the corners of this that being said it is still hilarious and it's, engaging yeah and funny and barbie and ken are amazing and, and the like, set again, design everything in oh. barbie land is fantastic oh, yeah i love this film i really do i just, just wish i wish it was better yeah I, that's really my big take especially away. greta gerwig being practically my favorite filmmaker i was just like oh but it was it could have been better i know she could have done better if like it wasn't if it didn't feel so corporate even even little women just showcases her like formal talent so much better than this movie does yeah but it's it makes still, it's still fantastic it's, i gave it yeah. a four out of five i gave it a three out of five i i wanted to go rewatch it in theaters and i didn't and now i have to live with me giving it a three until i rewatch <laughs> it again <laughs> Whew, that was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, up next we have Oppenheimer. I'm sure we won't talk about this. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to say. Like honestly, I don't think I have too much to say yeah. about Oppenheimer on the whole. It's one of those films that I think is so like massive and technically proficient that like I I can't really do a short little review. Yeah. We could do a, an episode, but even then, m more knowledgeable people have said better things about it than me. Yeah. Um. It's. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's probably his best film. Oh yeah, I would um, I would say it's his best. The performances Besides, are fantastic. Maybe Inception. It's, maybe. Yeah, I think it's kind of a must watch. I, I think that yeah. shows in just how many people went and saw this. Nobody was really expecting that. And then like as the film started going, there was like this energy. The reason Barbenheimer happened is like incredible. 
that weird like synergy that happened between audiences and like these films releasing was crazy. Well, I, that's the thing. I think most people expected this to be kind of what Maestro ended up being, like kind of Oscar Beatty weird biopic from yeah. director who flew too close to the sun you know that yeah kind of thing. he used used black and white <laughs> to make a to get oscar kind of thing exactly you know? yeah i think that's what people were afraid this was going to be and then they were kind of blown away when it was actually like a pretty humanist i was about to say well performed and personal and, and like surprisingly and... well structured <laughs> the whole thing is like it's a very engaging film especially for like you know internet brained people who can't focus on anything unless there's people talking all the right. time and it's three hours <laughs> long but it's so fantastic yeah uh I th killian murphy gives like maybe a career best performance yeah he's, he's so good he's here. great here lawrence Pugh is ama amazing here even emily blunt is fantastic here and i'm not the biggest fan of her the entire cast which More is Benny expensive yeah is just incredible <laughs> and what it's doing on a narrative and structural level is outstanding and watching this in imax I just felt like pure dread go from it's me crazy, head to toe. It's crazy. In the coolest and best <laughs> way possible. Um, I think the dialogue writing itself is still a little weak, but it's that's no, never it's been just Nolan. Yeah, that's dialogue. never been Nolan's strong that's suit. Just, that's just Nolan dialogue right um, there. But baby. like on a technical level, the score is great. The sound is great. Um, it's shot really well. I don't know. It's it's a well directed movie. Nolan knows what he's doing when it, when it comes to stuff like this. A five out of five. Five out of five. Uh, then we watched The Boy and the Heron. Oh, oh it's so good. Boy and the Heron. It's so good. Which is what Robbie was referencing as the tangential uh, connection to new, my... New Hayao Miyazaki. We talked about this one on our last episode. Um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be kind of brief good. with this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it does something really impressive and it pulls off a Ghibli film like I did not think they still had in them. I, you know what? I would compare this to Killers of the Flower Moon in a lot of ways. It um, does actually kind of feel similar. Yeah. In a weird way. Um, I mean, Miyazaki, like, he's such he's such a master of his art form at this point that, like, basically any movie he made, unless it was just, like, really ill-advised or, like, from a thesis standpoint, like, really awful, it was going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like it, was, it had to be. But, man, like, the story he does tell here is just incredible, honestly. It, yeah. it really hit with me emotionally. Um, I think it's funny and I it think is really engaging funny, yeah. the animation is beautiful it's one of the few ghibli worlds that i've seen in a while where i've really been like wow i wish i was there i wish i was in that um it was super immersive it it's great it's, it's beautiful fantastic. what it has to say about art artists and legacy and family is mm -hmm. phenomenal i mean it's just a really insightful movie from like an old guy who really is good at making movies. I was going to say, if you've ever, if you've ever <laughs> watched a Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, I believe is the name of it. This yeah. feels like a companion piece to that. Yeah, um, it's and the more I've thought about it, the more I've sweetened on it. I think it, it's got so many good ideas and like great craft behind it. It's great. It's called The Boy and the Heron, but it should be called How it Do You Live. It should be called How Do You Live. I don't know why they changed <laughs> the name. Five out of five. Uh, I give it a four out of five. I w I'm holding off until I rewatch. I'm holding. <laughs> then what did we watch, Remy? Uh, then we watched probably the actual worst movie of the no, year. No, <laughs> it's it's bad. <laughs> we watched Haunted Mansion, <sighs> which again, Shafrilis uh, pointed this out in his video, and I think that's literally it, it blew my mind when he pointed this out in his <laughs> video about Disney Plus that he did, because um, everybody was was weirded out that this movie came out. 
in August. It came out in August, right? Something like that. Like way outside of, like not way outside, but like significantly outside July. Yeah. So it was even before that. Exactly. (laughs) And it's a Halloween movie. Like through and through it is a Halloween movie. But he pointed out that it was specifically a perfect amount of time that when Halloween time came around, Disney Plus could promote that Haunted Mansion was coming on to Disney (sighs) Plus for Halloween. So they literally picked to release this at the end of summer, the end of summer, a Halloween movie at the end of summer in theaters to where they could get a, uh, they could advertise it on Disney plus. It's just, it, it's a, it's just, it's terrible. It's a, it's a really awful screenplay. It's product. The movie. Uh, it, it's got so much dumb product placement. It's no, got, no, it's so got many like cliches. a egregious product. placement. Yeah. They tie in like. Lakeith Stanfield's characters like dead white oh, to product to Baskin Robbins to Baskin dude. Robbins and like I think another didn't they mention another product too probably like, like they literally it is the most like one of the most anyway corporately depressing films I've seen in a long time Lakeith is trapped in his worst movie <laughs> he's <laughs> like get him out of there he's one of the most charismatic and fun leads and that even I know he of. can't make he can't even work. make it he can't even do it <laughs> I was gonna say have Owen Wilson Winona Ryder is in here Lakeith Stanfield Danny DeVito, like those are all really good actors, really charming actors, and they do not work because the dialogue is so bad. (laughs) It's awful. It's it's tonally deaf. It's not funny. It's really ill conceived on like a haunted mansion movie level. It's bad. It's just bad. I gave it a two out of five. I gave it a two out of five. It's not a complete failure. Like there's still some good aspects to it, but it's just good. Those good aspects almost feel nullified by the fact that it's such a product movie. Yeah. It's gosh. Lakeith, Lakeith, please let Book of Clarence be good. (laughs) Please. Doesn't look that good, Ruby. I'm sorry. I'm begging. I need more good Lakeith movies, please. Uh, then we watched uh, Cobweb. Oh, yeah, Cobweb. Uh, uh, I, didn't, strange. I didn't really like it. Strange I movie. Have, I don't have anything to say. Yeah, don't was, really have much to say fine. Um, <laughs> I I made a dumb Family Guy joke review about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, not like the worst thing in the world, but it's not very good, and it also leans on some bad horror tropes. Mm, yay! Yeah, Cobweb, not really all that good. Um, I gave it a two out of five. Two and a half. Uh, uh, Circus Maximus. I watched it. I talked about it on our What We Watched episode one time. It's not very good. It's very stilted in the first half. It's very dull in the second half. It doesn't feel like anything beyond a playlist of music videos stitched together and then a really boring concert film. Um, and given the context, like the wider context of Astral World Fest 2021, um, it feels really, uh, Tone deaf from Travis Scott. As much as I love Astro World's the album, uh, this this was not the move, buddy. Not the move. Um, yeah, Circus Maximus, not for me. Um, two out of five. Uh, next up, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem, which I do believe we did an episode on. No, we didn't. I do believe we did. No, we did. Where we did? No, I thought we did. <laughs> no, we didn't. But I'm pretty sure we did. <laughs> no, we talked about it on a what we watched episode. But I. I remember covering it so extensively. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. We went and saw it in a theater. Um, I mentioned that I think its plotting is a bit strange, uh, but the central dynamics are really fun. It's funny. 
uh, and it's gross, and I like it. <laughs> Didn't do an episode. That's crazy. No, where we did. I said it's the grossest PG film since Osmosis Jones. Too true. <laughs> Which is gross great. stuff. Yeah, uh, It's really fun, really engaging. My opinions haven't changed on it much since we talked about it on the podcast. It's just like, it's fun. Yeah. And they make the turtles work so well. They made them feel like teenagers. They, yeah, they feel like mutants. modern teenagers. Not so much ninjas, but they are turtles. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, I really appreciate what they did with just the turtles in this movie. Yeah. And it's got some weird structural yeah. points. I don't like the third act at all. But like, weird, yeah. It's really, it's good. It's, it's really fun. fun. It's so much uh, fun. I gave it a four out of five. I also gave it a four out of five. I had a blast. Oh yeah! Up next, shout out to Alien Cake. <laughs> Chad Chad mentioned. Shout out to Chad Chad and Orpinely for making the short film of the year, Alien Cake. Chad Chad, we need Oscar Chad. May Chad. it win all the all the awards. Get it on the short film shortlist for the Oscars. <laughs> Oscar. Because Chad Chad needs an Oscar. Dude, this is the year I got into Chad Chad. She's great. She's great. She's like the best YouTuber. She's so funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, Watch Alien, Alien Cake. Cake. It's really funny. Uh, up next, we have Ferrari. Ferrari. Dude, I am such a big Michael Mann fan. And I got to see one of his movies in a theater. And it was so good. Oh, I was it, Rebby? Because you, you seem to have <laughs> forgotten what so good movies uh, get rating-wise. Okay. But uh, yeah, we watched Ferrari just the other day in theaters, and it kind of it kind of blew me away. I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. I absolutely adore what it's doing thematically. I love Adam Driver's performance. I love how it ties all of its emotional conflict so well into the race and does kind of a tiered parallel between everything and like the whole replaceability of things for Ferrari and like it's just it's it's so cool and it's punctuated by just an incredible moment of film violence in my opinion i feel like you can tell that this was michael mann's like big personal project for the past like seven or eight years um like he obviously cares so much about like these characters and the themes of it all and it does a great job from like a biopic writing and framing like standpoint like what it chooses to do with enzo ferrari as like a man it's, is really interesting it's got some of the best like i genuinely think the best racing filmmaking i've ever seen like i was so engaged in what it was doing racing wise Dude. it made it it made it feel like violent and fast and i was gripped like i was the last the last 40 minutes of this are some of the best movie things you'll get this year but i just had such a hard time connecting with it during its all of its setup yeah, it feels very like almost stilted and tedious yeah the throughout first a lot half of it. isn't perfect i would say yeah it's, it feels like it's rushed and doesn't quite know what to do because it's got so much that it's got going on it has to establish so many really things wants it, and yet it, it really wants to get to a point so it can get to like the movie yeah so it it but that really didn't take away from the movie for me. It I was really, pretty engaged through all really of that. It really stunted my enjoyment of it a lot. And I really want to I want to rewatch it now that I like feel like I have a better picture of what Michael Mann wanted to do with it. Um, I don't know. I want to revisit it. I gave it a three out of five. I give it a five out of five. I really, it's one of my favorites. It's of good. The year. Go watch it in theaters if you can. Go watch it. Yeah. Uh, we also watched The Holdovers. Yeah. They are holding over for Christmas. Um. Yeah, it was good. It was I, good. I feel like we talked, we talked about, about this, this on the podcast pretty extensively. It's one of the best Christmas movies I've seen in a while. It's really funny. It's really engaging. It's cool and epic and groovy. It's a cool dramedy. Um, not too much beyond that. It's it's just well directed. Yeah, it's got some solid emotional. It's stuff. well written. It's well performed. 
It's good. And like, yeah, it's not one that I would like rave about in other situations, but it's one of my favorite Christmas movies I've seen. Yeah. Uh, the Holdovers. Good movie. <laughs> yeah. Four and a half out of five. I give it a four. Yeah. Um, and then we watched Saltburn. Saltburn. Uh, as we had mentioned before on the podcast, and I also did a YouTube video on this as well, we went and saw it at an early screening. We um, went to see Tumblr the movie. Tumblr, yeah, literally <laughs> Tumblr the movie. Uh, for all for all the twenty or the two thousands Tumblr users, really. Yep. Um, yeah. Gosh. It's so dumb. It. It's so it, I'm so conflicted about Saltburn because on one level I love it so much, but on the other level, like I really want it to care a lot more about the stuff. Yeah, it's doing. <laughs> like and it's it's got really like it's got pretty darn rough content. Big yeah. old content warning yeah, for this big, one. Yeah. Um, luckily, it's not too terribly graphic, except for a couple instances. Yeah. Um, but like with that with that weight of being like this very like course movie it feels like it it needed something more you i feel like it, it it's disingenuous to this movie to go in for a lot of the sexual stuff that they did and not care enough i mean even beyond that i think um what's his name oliver swift or something <laughs> oliver, oliver quick, quick. <laughs> <laughs> oliver swift yeah um i think i think oliver is kind of a strange character in general like kind of a sloppily written character in general just because he's supposed to embody like this weird ideal or something or like idea that the movie's built around but it never fully develops like all of its whatever commentary you might pull from it just feels really toothless and wishy-washy if you want to pull anything from yeah, it. Yeah, it feels like it's going for like an un like I mean it is going for an unreliable narrative, but it doesn't clue you in with that for any point of the story really. So it just doesn't it doesn't work that doesn't, well. But yeah. it's like really fun. It's so much fun. There's yeah. really <laughs> funny moments and there's really fun moments and it looks good. Oh it looks so great. I should pro- like I probably will end up lowering in my rating yet again. Uh, to a three, but I did give it a three and a half. It's not one that I would ever watch again, though. So I probably just even on a content level, it's it's not the worst film I've seen content wise, but it's definitely feels like the the most pointless for its content. Yeah, I thought it was really engrossing, um, which you know that's that's something to say, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, like I think it's pretty engaging, but it just. I, when I walk away from it, I don't feel like I've gotten anything of value. Really, yeah, and Haley, I would not. I would not suggest this to any person. No. If you want to watch it, be warned. But like, yeah. no, I would. It's really not worth it. Um, I yeah. watched like the favorite for something tangentially similar. It's weird. Saltburn's weird. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a three out of five. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about fingernails for about five seconds. <laughs> it's another Apple TV Plus movie. With Jesse Buckley in it. Which means the entire thing looks kind of washed out. And Riz Ahmed, <laughs> which they rock. They're great. Um, it's got the bear guy, too, Jeremy Allen White. It's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, Higley. I'm sure it is blowing up on TikTok right now. It's oh, literally sure. a movie. It was, it was designed. Genetically It was made in a lab to, to blow, blow up, up on TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> literally. Like, you think that's a joke? I know some people, for the same reason, some people hate Barbie. Some people hate Saltburn. Just because yeah. it's such a, this was made for Tumblr and that's it. Was, it. Yeah, it was made <laughs> and like that. TikTok. I, I guarantee Emerald Fennel wrote it for that. <laughs> Wait, is, is Riz Ahmed in Shameless? Uh, I don't know. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> I, I've never seen Shameless, dude. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's not what, like, I know, I know him pretty well from like several different things. And I, that's not what I would think of when I see, oh, the bear guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Allen, Allen White. White. The bear. The bear. Shout out to Jeremy Allen White. He's, he's so cool. He's awesome, dude. I didn't know he was, oh, right. I did know he was in Shameless. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think it plays its sci fi premise too safe. Um, and like, from a screenplay perspective, like, the narrative of it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But like, the central trio, when you have a central trio of actors this good. I was about to say, Jesse Buckley, Riz Ahmed, and Jeremy <laughs> Allen White are really good actors. There's so much fun. Yeah, there's so much fun to watch, even though it just feels like a mid-tier Black Mirror episode. Um, it's fine. I liked I it. Don't, I think you mean every Black Mirror episode <laughs> besides, like, two. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, next up, or, well, I guess I didn't tell you my rating. I give it a three out of five. Uh, next up, we have the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Henry Sugar. The one that people really say ne- uh, Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, too close to the sun for. This one, I, <laughs> this one's funny. Um, this came out like with like it. a big release of several different short films. Yes. Technically, in my opinion, this is a feature. I think it qualifies as a feature. Yeah, in this, terms is of the, length. this is the longest of any of um, them. I think it's like, it's 39 minutes, which is like, I think a minute away from qualifying as a feature. Um... But I, I still consider it a feature. And I think it's really good. It's not my favorite, but I really admire what this is doing more so than any of the other shorts in terms of its use of theater and like Roald Dahl's material. I don't I don't know. It's really it's really interesting in the context of like doll adaptations and Wes's career. And I really enjoy it. Um it has some great performances and like fun effects and good set design. Um I don't know. It's it's really good. I, yeah, I, I, was, I don't know what I else to say about it. I was super enchanted by it, and I think it's like limited runtime allows it to hit exactly what it's going for and not linger too much. Yeah. So I really appreciated it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I gave it a four and a half out of five. I did not rate it, uh, just because it's categorized as a short. <laughs> then we watched Maestro. Maestro. Rather than Maestro release. Maestro premiered, yeah. Uh, a weird movie. Really weird, yeah. That's really the best way to describe Maestro. Um, like, I love love you, Bradley Cooper. I really do. <laughs> oh, he's so much fun, like, dude. Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley. He's so good at he's that. He's so good. Uh, I no, I love Bradley Cooper and everything I've seen him in. Yeah, but this is just kind of a weird one. Like, it just doesn't fully work. I I really admire what it is going for by focusing more on Leonard Bernstein as like a person than just like. Oh, here was all of his cool accomplishments that he did. Yeah, sit down and listen to his music for a couple hours. But at the same time, with that, it feels like it just doesn't fully want to tell his story. It feels like it skips over major parts of his life story. Yeah. And also, like I put this in my review, it it honestly feels like it's a little uncomfortable portraying some of his like like the gay side of his story. (laughs) They really don't show it much. And it's kind of like whispered to in the background and implied. Which I think is like partially intentional, but like it's it's just weird. It's a weird way to approach. Yeah. With what they were going for. I I understand why they did that. But again, like the entire time it's unsubtly like ham fisting, like in your face, like, Oh, there's two sides of him. Oh, he's got two sides of himself. Oh, he's got two sides. Like they keep saying it directly to you. Yeah, the first it's a really, minutes of this, it's a really just, unsubtle movie. I was going to say the first twenty minutes of it, they just tell you like directly what the movie is going to be about. Yeah, um, but at the same time, I don't really feel like the movie ever lets you know, like the that side of 
Leonard Bernstein. Maybe it's yeah. just because he wasn't very public about it and they didn't want to just assume. Speculate, yeah. Speculate. But then he did get really public about it and like everybody knew. It's weird, yeah. And like, I don't know. It just feels weird, especially given what time period that it's made in, that it feels almost like the LGBTQ stuff is like in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. Uh, really, the biggest problem is the script doesn't really seem to know what it like wants to show you at any given point or seem to have that much like intentionality behind it. But it is watchable. It has two charismatic leads. It has some fun direction. It's got Leonard Bernstein's music. Yeah, it's got Leonard Bernstein's music. I <laughs> had a good only, time. It only has one scene of Leonard Bernstein conducting. And again, Which I understand what they're going for, but like, I, I don't like that. Like, it makes me like they spend this entire time talking about like, because as much as you may be not want to make the movie about Leonard Bernstein's like career as much as him as a person, but for all intents and purposes. He was his career. Like those kind of artists, he threw everything that he yeah, was. Yeah, I was about to say he was just time. always working. Yeah. All, and that that was part of his problem is he did work over like his family, but like we never really get to see his work, so it's hard to really empathize with him in that way. Yeah, um, strange movie. And I think part of that was just because Bradley Cooper wanted to actually conduct for the scene. I, he spent. I think it said six years learning to conduct to do that oh scene. Oh my goodness. Of and course he did. It's stuff he, like that. Because he wants an Oscar. <laughs> and like, I'm like, dude, it wasn't worth it. I would have rather seen more conducting than you actually conducting one scene. It would be, it would be, I, I funniest prediction for the Oscar is, is that this wins makeup. <laughs> the nose. Hair and makeup, the nose. Oh gosh. Uh, I gave it, a, I gave it a three and a half out of five. I gave it a three out of five. It's fine. Uh, up next, we have The Killer, Killer, which we've talked about. New Fincher movie. Fincher, I like it. It's funny. Good movie. I like Michael Fassbender. It's my it. favorite David Fincher movie. He shoot gun and make joke about corporations <laughs> being the death of uh, everything. Uh, yeah, The Killer. Cool. Cool movie. Cool movie. Love Go it. watch it. If uh, you're five, uh, five out of five. If you're cool with it. I give it a four out of five. Good movie. Uh, up next, Priscilla. Priscilla. Hi, Priscilla. Uh, my first Sofia Coppola movie. My second Sofia Coppola movie. Uh, She's cool. Jacob, it's the year of Jacob Elordi, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> uh, I honestly, he's much better in this. He's a really, really, really fun... Uh, oh, he's hardly in Saltburn. <laughs> he really isn't that much of a character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he does a really good job of playing an evil Elvis that you want to murder with a hammer. <laughs> uh, you mean like regular Elvis? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like regular Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> um i think it makes for a really interesting companion piece to elvis the movie oh, very interesting like, i would love to watch those as a, <laughs> as a double feature i really love what it's doing on a cinematic level oh, it's so cool there's there are parts of the film that i was straight up sick to my stomach during yeah despite it never feeling like voyeuristic at all which i appreciated yes thank heaven <laughs> um which i mean it's sophia coppola she's yeah. usually pretty good with stuff like that yeah um and it's not my favorite thing in the world. It's not as engaging as I would like it to be. That's yeah. That's but my it's, biggest it's problem cool. with it. I I love the thesis of it so much. Like I'm so glad it got made. Um, and I I love how well it pulls off. It's like very lonely and isolating atmosphere. Um, I just wasn't that like engaged for a lot of the middle portion where like not much is going on. Um, like I get, I get why a lot of the scenes are there and there are a lot of good sequences within that, but like at the same time, I just wish it felt a bit more substantial during a lot of the middle. Yeah. I actually love what, uh, Yossi friend of the podcast mentioned in his, yeah. uh, the way it goes about weaving, uh, like Elvis as a character as being just kind of like a, like a big, a big goofy idiot. Yeah. Like he's, he's, 
He's just kind of doing his thing, and he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't seem malicious, but yet he in, inflicts so much harm and pain. Yeah, and is a really terrible person. And that's a that's something really interesting to do with his character. Yeah, no, like I said, I I really admire the thesis and craft of this, and the direction is great. And uh, Kaylee, what Spaney? Spaney, Spaney. she's great. Probably. Um, yeah, it's a great, fantastic. It's a great movie by all accounts. I just wanted to engage. I wish it engaged yeah. me a little more when I was watching it. Four out of five. I give it a three out of five. I want to rewatch it though. I want to give it another shot. Hunting in Venice. Hunting in Venice. It's been a while since this came out. We've Ugh. talked about it a couple times. It's, I don't like it. It's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> I don't it's like about, it. <laughs> it's about the, up there with all of the Kenneth Branagh Perot movies. I hate to say it. This is the most boring one. It it's is. The most it's boring the least so memorable. Yeah. The most boring. Which is like, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. I don't I, does anyone care say. about yeah, Hans anyone care? Care? If you enjoyed know. it, cool. I gave it a three out of five because I kind of enjoyed it. I gave it a two I wouldn't out of watch five. it again. Yeah, I would never watch it again. <laughs> it's dark and boring. <laughs> uh, then we have The Swan, which was one of the Wes Anderson shorts. Yes. Very fun. Very cool. Loved what it was doing. Super emotional. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very good. I liked it a lot. Then what, right? Uh, then I watched Totally Killer. It's a time-traveling slasher that Amazon Prime produced. <laughs> um, but it's... it's I don't know. I like slashers a lot. That's why I turned it on. Um, it's got some fun set pieces. And it's got a good cast, generally. My dumb movie senses were tingling, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> it is kind of a dumb movie, yeah. It just... I don't know. The, D- the, the DNA of the movie that's, like, slasher genre beats being hit, I enjoyed that. Um, but, like, the comedy stuff just doesn't work. It's not funny. <laughs> not funny, didn't laugh kind of energy. <laughs> um, I don't know, dude. So much of its comedy relies upon, like, oh, things sure were crazy and bad in the 80s. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't do that nowadays. That's crazy. <laughs> Which, dude, 80s, 80s nostalgia is so, like run into the ground right now anyway like guys we're supposed to be in 90s nostalgia now what are we yeah. doing actually at this point we're supposed to be in 2000s nostalgia what are we doing um i don't know the structure's bad it cuts between like two plot like a plot b plot kind of thing two timelines and it just doesn't pull it off it like it's clunky and weird and just poorly structured but like i don't know i still had a decent time with it i i have a really hard time not enjoying a slasher film <laughs> Like all the set pieces are really fun, um, except for the last one. The finale of this is so dumb. I don't know. I, <laughs> talking about it makes me want to lower my rating for it. Um, but I gave it a three out of five. I think it's fine. Nice. Totally killer. Uh, then we watched the, or then released the Rat Catcher, which was I think my least favorite of the Wes Anderson shorts, but still really cool. I yeah. love what it does on like a thematic, like tension building level for being so. I loved it. Dude. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's cool. <laughs> cool stuff. <laughs> what else to say about the rat catcher? It's uh, awesome. Then we watched Poison, which does something very similar in terms of building My favorite. tension in a really cool way. Super engaging, super fun. Uh, has actually got something like pretty potent. Hmm, excuse me, pretty potent to say. Cool. But yeah. Fun in, fun in the context of like Doll's career and like adapting Doll. And it's a good riff on Hitchcock as well from, quite, from Wes Anderson. Quite frankly, there's no reason these shouldn't have been put together in a film like, uh, <laughs> like um, The I Goblet like, of Buster Scruggs. I don't know. I like having them separate, I think. I, I don't know. There I would be a nice I, novelty I, to well, logging them all together. Well, no, but... beyond that, 
I I've fully gone on board with this after I saw it as a criticism because something about them didn't work. But the the doll stuff tying them all together just doesn't work if you don't have them all combined. Mm. Um, and I think they could have done something a lot more interesting with that if they would have committed to it. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, Poison's my favorite of the shorts. I like it. Next up, we have Mickey and Friends Trick or Treat, a stop motion Mickey Mouse short film. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, get, it gets a big thumbs up from me if you're looking for any child-friendly spooky season watches. It's good. A solid child-friendly spooky season watch. <laughs> speaking, uh, speaking of non-child-friendly <laughs> spooky season watches. Yeah, the, not a child-friendly spooky season watch. We have The Fall of the House of Usher, yeah. uh, which I watched when I was uh, super sick. I was just sprawled out on my bed for like a week and a half. And what better time? I binged this all in one day. Um, what better time to do that? Uh, and I watched The Fall of the House of Usher. It's ultimately one of my least favorite of the Flanagan series. It's just, it, it doesn't quite hit what it should. It feels a little gimmicky with how it's what it's doing with Edgar Allan Poe's work. But at the same time, it's a cool adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's work. Like, I understand what it's going for. But it, it just, some of it's... Mike Flanaganisms don't work for its benefit in this one, which is a shame because a lot of stories do like lend themselves to his style. I don't think this story inherently did, which I think is the reason why he wasn't the sole director on this. Mm. Um, they, I forget who the other director was because I think he was the major director of most of the actual episodes. Uh, Michael Fimo Garney. Garney, I don't know how to say his name, but yeah, he was the main director of the like most of the episodes, mm. um, which I I feel is why they did that. But at the same time, there are certainly elements that just feel dropped and weird, and it really does feel like they open with the, one of their most disturbing kills and like a big impactful moments by episode two, and then that the show just doesn't have much else and it's like up its sleeve for the rest of the show. But it's still cool. I really enjoyed it. I gave it a four out of five. See, I've seen a lot of people compare it to Succession, which is funny. It's got very much Succession vibes. It's a bunch of rich kids arguing about the fortune. That's funny. Uh, oh gosh. There you go for for the audience members who have been waiting for like two hours. Har 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 har. FNAF is really bad and not scary. And Josh Hutchinson is funny man but not in movie. He is boring, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's boring. Why is it's it so boring? So boring. <laughs> I really wanted to like the FNAF movie, but it sucks. Uh, it's so, it's yeah, it's not, it's not, um, here, what did I say in my review? I said it's not narratively interesting enough to be a mystery thriller, and it's not scary enough to be a horror movie. It's so shallow in every possible way. The characters are laughably stupid at some points. Like, Vanessa is just Vanessa, the dumbest oh character no, in the world. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I tried to tell you in my in own my way. Own way. <laughs> and there are so many moments that just feel like this thing like was written by somebody who had only written horror video games made for middle schoolers really makes you think really makes you think uh but the biggest offense beyond all of that is that it's not scary um, in the slightest what to say positively uh i like the, the effects the effects yeah. are cool cool um, and groovy and i like some of the staging sometimes it's cool yeah and i like uh josh hutchinson and i like matthew lillard for the two seconds he's in the film dude the very out of place seconds for the so rest boring. of the film it's just so boring but, why is it so boring uh you know matthew lillard <laughs> cool scream man 
he ru- he the knife and he's like oh i always come back <laughs> and uh it's har 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 um yeah fnaf was not my scene i gave it a two out of five i gave it a two out of five um quick shout out to son of uh gulag which a uh, little ambient film from shutter i did another shutter subscription this spooky season and it was fun i like the gulag series it's good shout out to gulags um yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, right. I'm I'm next after this. Uh, after that, I watched Godzilla minus one, the newest Godzilla entry that isn't one of the crappy American ones. Sorry, sorry guys, but we can't make a Godzilla movie because <laughs> I don't kind know. Of, why. Kind of in their DNA. Yeah, I was about to say American. I I feel like Godzilla is such like an inherently Japanese, like it's so rooted in Japanese trauma and culture that like it's kind of hard to make a good American Godzilla movie. It's been done, but. Um, the the recent run of whatever they're called, uh, Monarch, the Monarch series. Yeah, it's Monarch. They're not good. They're really bad. Monarch monsters. <laughs> um, but Godzilla minus one is very good. Micah needs to go watch it. <laughs> Sorry, I was working. <laughs> um, a lot of people have compared it to Jaws, which is really funny, and I think that is like a good comparison, which is part of the reason I think you'll like it so much. Um, but like Godzilla is so scary in this one. And, like, it manages to say something really interesting about, like, um, obligation to, like, serving your country and, like, when it doesn't serve you back kind of thing. <laughs> it, it actually has, like, a really sincere and good message when it comes to, like, um, the sort of past evils of the Japanese military. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, not some not great stuff um, that's touched on pretty powerfully here. I, I like it a lot. Um, a lot of it's about nuclear anxiety, which I really relate to, and the fallout of war. It's cool. It's a cool movie. Godzilla's back in their original historical context, and it's great. Uh, Godzilla Minus One, great movie. Please go watch it. It's one of the best of the year. Uh, then we have Thanksgiving. Ooh, we're nearing the end, guys. Which we've talked about before, and it's dumb as rocks and makes almost all of the wrong decisions, but at the same time is pretty fun. Um, I would put it as like a better version of Totally Killer, kind of. Like it's it's kind of bad, but like also kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it, every time it goes in for something really, really cool, it feels like it falls flat. Yeah. And like the third act is kind of abysmal. And I, I, I while I appreciate a really gory movie, all the gore in this is so over the top and dumb that it, it feels very flat and I'd digital. watch it again. I would watch it again. I enjoyed it. <laughs> But, it, you know, it's it's one that would be more fun to go laugh at with friends yeah. than to be, like, an actual good movie. This, yeah, this is a good group watch. It's not, like, an all-time great slasher or anything, though. Which, you know, being a, being that kind of slasher, we need those kind of slashers. It touches, it touches on, like, sl- modern slasher canon in a, a better, a more, like, with more finesse than Totally Killer does, so and I admire it. And it's much less voyeuristic than the original short film, so I appreciate that. The bar is on the ground. <laughs> the bar... <laughs> way down there that's funny um, uh then we watched curtis connor keep busy did i say my rating for thanksgiving i i rated it a three out of five i gave it a three and a half um yeah uh, we watched curtis connor's uh debut stand-up special keep busy which I, was, bought, I bought tickets which was fun yeah you know i like i like curtis as much as the next guy <laughs> um 
Um, I don't think his material works quite as well. It's it's a very different vibe from his YouTube videos, which he acknowledges, um, like in his videos leading up to the promotion of this special. And he's he's just he just feels nervous. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work as well as I would like it to in the first like thirty minutes because it just he feels like he's grasping for straws or something you know like he's just like mm, well mm. i think he's just really trying to win over the audience for a lot of the beginning of it and like it, it i think the deliveries sometimes suffer for it and yeah. like i don't know the pacing of it's a but little weird too by the second half it definitely finds its footing yeah. and i, I love the last was really funny so yeah good job curtis stand um, up is hard i was about to say as a debut special i would i would definitely watch it again um and i'm excited to hopefully see another one i gave it a three and a half out of five um i also uh or not also i gave it a three and a half or not a three a three <laughs> out of five oh my thank you gosh Ravi, what is going on at the bottom <laughs> of our list that's gross okay uh, we're nearing the end next, i'm sorry <laughs> next we have napoleon napoleon ridley scott yeah um <laughs> new, new ridley scott in theaters Shut come up. fall asleep with me <laughs> that's a bit rude <laughs> no um, no ridley if you're watching right now it's not that you made a boring movie it's that your movie was cut into a boring movie <laughs> yeah i don't think it's boring i just think it is cut uh, to pieces it really yeah that's um, what it feels like anyway. that's what it feels i don't know if that's what happened but that's what it feels like it feels like the hope story get, was way director's cut, cut down I really like what they do thematically with Napoleon as a character. I really it's like cool, what they do yeah. thematically with Josephine as a character. I really like the beat they end on. I yes. really like how a lot of the battles are shot. But the kind of glue that keeps all of that together is very shaky. It's just... I don't know. It's it's like way too broad for what it's going for. I mean, Napoleon's story is massive. I know, but like they could have focused on one particular thing, but it, it feels like they try and... like weave his entire life into one specific narrative about him and it almost works but it just doesn't have enough time to do anything yeah i still think it works pretty decently it's just it's not as good as it could be but i really enjoyed it yeah i i wanted it to be better i was i was fighting for my life in that theater to stay awake during the last little <laughs> Dang, bit of this i gave it a three and a half out of <laughs> i gave five. it a two out of five i i really vanessa hope, kirby right i really hope vanessa i like it kirby on a rewatch i love vanessa kirby she's great yeah, what the heck's going on here, Ruby? <laughs> um, Be brief. Okay, I watched Hannah British. Waddingham, Hannah Waddingham, Home for Christmas, and it was fine. She's a great singer, um, and it was fun. I liked it. The influences of Luke. I was about to say shout out to Luke, friend of the podcast, um, for making me watch all of Ted Lasso and then uh, encouraging me to watch this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I gave it a three out of five. And then I watched, um, I'll just mention them all as the same thing. Uh, I watched all the new Doctor Who specials, including uh, Church on Ruby Road. Uh, Wild Blue Yonder was my favorite. The Giggle was my least favorite. And Ruby Road is really fun. It has a Goblin King and they sing a little Goblin song. It's fun. <laughs> little Goblin song. <laughs> Dude, have you not heard the Goblin song? You got to. Ruby, I'm not on British Twitter. So. British Twitter, dude. <laughs> uh, also, shout out to The Bad Guys, A Very Bad Holiday. More uh, like a very bad short film, am I right? <laughs> no, I'm no it's, not, it's not that bad. Uh, it's fine. It's, 
not that good, but it's not that bad. It's the animation's obviously rough. And I mean, it just looks like yeah, a TV funny, animation, but it's like fine. It's fine. There's nothing. It's whatever. There's nothing egregious about it. Uh, then we have Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Christmas Cabin Fever. Yeah, this which is I technically believe... the last movie, like release wise. I even though like Maestro dropped on Netflix, like its festival date was earlier than this. Yeah, so. uh, which. <laughs> Cabin Fever is our last movie of the I'm year. I'm pretty sure we talked about this on our last podcast episode, but it's bad. Yeah, it suffers a lot from just being like a generic, poorly, uh, written, poorly written screenplay with like bad jokes. Yeah, it's very amateurish, um, unfortunately. And I hope, I hope that um, what's his what's his face Jeff, Jeff Kenny. I hope he becomes a better screenwriter because he could write something oh, good. I swear, animation doesn't work. The animation is not doing also any flavors. Yeah, unexpressive. So. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I still like Roderick and Rowley. They're I gave good. it a two out of five. I also gave it a two and out of five. And that <laughs> is all the things we watched from 2023. I feel like um, I mentioned like I keep thinking about how good of a year this has been, like for movies. And then we just oh, I yeah. keep like it. All no, that no. sticks out. This was a great year. For all movies. that sticks out in my mind is I'm like gonna go over my top these awful movies. Yeah, my hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention my. I guess I'll just do top ten. Yeah, um, that's what I was gonna. So do. number one, Oppenheimer, fantastic <laughs> movie. Number two, Killers of the Flower Moon, fantastic movie. Number three, May December. Fantastic you don't have movie. to say fantastic movie. But they're time. all fantastic. Number four, The Boy and the Heron. Number five, Past Lives. Number six, Asteroid City. Number seven, Ferrari. Number eight, The Killer. Number nine, Across the Spider-Verse. And number ten, The Holdovers. Ooh. Those are all fantastic movies. Yeah. I love those movies. They're all great. I, I'm sure I'll revisit all of those. Great year for movies. Um, I gotta pull up my top ten now. Ugh. Ew. Gross. Ugh. <laughs> um but yeah no i i i generally agree with your selection i'm obviously not as big of a fan of like ferrari as you are but you know what can you do all right my top 10 alphabetical not like in order um asteroid city bottoms uh the boy and the heron or how do you live uh godzilla minus one the holdovers killers of the flower moon knock at the cabin may december oppenheimer and across the spider-verse all great uh, movies that yeah. I will be watching again. <laughs> yes, very good. You should go check a lot of those out. <sighs> Content warning for a lot of those. A lot of the a lot of the ones I mentioned and he mentioned are R-rated films. Yes. As as always, please check the content of films before you go and be a watch responsible them viewer. <laughs> please, um, we do not en- endorse the content of movies that we think are good. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening to season five of Recently Logged. Yeah, five years. Five years of Recently Logged. It really makes you think. I mean. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Recently Logged going forward is probably going to be way less consistent than normal. Season six is probably going to be a little dicey. Six is going to be weird. Yeah, because I'm leaving the country. <laughs> So that makes it more complicated. Um, I'm considering doing like a little bonus snippet where we go over like our year summaries uh, for this season, which I think will be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, but thank you for getting us to 78 followers on Letterboxd. Nice. That's pretty That's cool. awesome. We're and inching closer to 100. Our YouTube channel has done pretty well yeah, this year, dude. as well as our podcast on other podcast platforms. Yeah, go subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're not already. It's at like 
200 something subscribers right now which seems crazy which for how little yeah. effort we put into this yeah, show for, for how low effort our podcast is, is you know you know i'm glad people enjoy listening to it Hopefully... i was about to say i still do care a lot about our audience and like making a an, an entertaining and valuable podcast so i'm i'm glad some people seem to be enjoying it yeah and you know we'll make episodes when we can is kind of our goal because yep. i don't know how much time i'll have or how logistics will work for us recording podcast episodes, but we'll make it work hopefully and have some fun specials. We'll do our big ones at least. Yeah, I'm sure. we'll at least do like our most anticipated, probably our, our Oscar Oscars, predictions, our, our year wrapped. I'm sure still, yeah, yeah. you know, our big stuff and talk about movies when we can. Yeah, so we'll see. But we'll thank see. you guys for listening and watching. Uh, yeah, I've been Robbie. <laughs> I've been Micah, <laughs> and we've been recently lost. <laughs> isn't that so sweet thanks for listening guys we'll catch you next week and thanks for everyone who tuned into the live yeah if you're listening to this after the fact you are also a valuable and, and, a yeah, valuable yeah. listener but, but you're, like you're less slightly valuable. less valuable you know we, i'm sorry we're tier ranking people who <laughs> listen to our podcast you're like a tier so still good but people who watch live are clearly s tier uh, but yeah, it's been two hours and 40 minutes, so. Whew. All right. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Good night.